Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. NBA Draft Day is here. Good Thursday morning. Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, and Mark Dykton. Uh, boys, any shenanigans last night with the longest daylight of the year? Uh, longest winning streak in nearly 70 years for the Reds. Don't question. look now, but here come the Red Legs. That's right. Gosh, I just I love the energy with that, Mark. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, when you do something the Big Red Machine didn't even do, that's pretty darn good. It is, am- I-, I think, the most amazing part of the Reds' 11-game win streak is not that it's the longest win streak ever for a team that lost 100 games the previous year, not that, you know, is Ellie De La Cruz the, you know, I, I don't know if that's that's clearly a spark for them, but it's the fact that, in my opinion, and I know that the 29 Yankees are, you know, I didn't see them play. I didn't really see the Big Red Machine play, but the fact that the 75 North 76 Reds ever put together an 11-game win streak is pretty remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, that, that element stands out to me. The other one, Jake, is the closeness of these games. I mean, extremely entertaining. And it's not like they've been dominant. Of course, 11 wins, 11 wins. But the wins are by four runs, one run, one run, one run, three, one, seven, two, one, two. And yesterday, down 3 nothing, five unanswered. Jack always- Fairley with a two-run homer in the eighth. Like that's kind of what their mo has been this season of a ton of comeback victories and eleven in a row and a well-deserved day off for the Red Legs today as they are forty and thirty-five. It kind of always gives you pause when a win streak has games that are that close because you're like, man, th- that could all come in like a house of cards, right? Yeah, you're like, is this a fluke? Which with the Reds typically that is the case. Uh, Greg Rexstra going to join us here. A little bit later in the 7 o'clock hour. I know we usually have Rake on Fridays. We'll bump him up a day because it'll be a lot of draft reaction tomorrow. Scott Agnes at 9 o'clock going to join us to preview tonight. Again, our coverage will begin at 7. The draft at 8 and 24 hours after we last chatted with you. Um, Jake, I said it several times yesterday. I wanted to see the Pacers turn one of those late first-round picks into a 2024 pick. And lo and behold, they did that yesterday with a trade for Denver to get a first-rounder next year. Uh, I'm a big fan of this move. Yeah, I think it's a really good move as well. And and do you remember, Kevin, I guess it would have been last year, obviously, when we were scoreboard watching a lot for the Cleveland Cavaliers to figure out what was going to happen with that Pacers pick and whether or not they were going to get a first-round pick that year. Paris LeVert trade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's what this one's going to be like next year, right? Because it's conditional on like three different teams and who has the worst record. It's protected in a couple of areas, but in terms of the pick for next year that they received. Yeah, I thought Tony East did a wonderful job clarifying this yesterday. Indiana trades number 29 and 32 tonight. They get Denver's 40th pick tonight and then a first rounder from Denver next year. That first rounder technically is an Oklahoma City pick. And again, this is very confusing, but these are the four teams that 
come into play here. The Pacers will either get Houston selection, Utah selection, Oklahoma City selection, or the Clippers. They will get the worst of those four teams' picks. Now, now let me ask you this. When you say the worst, you mean... The lowest in round one. Okay, and again, pardon me for being an, an idiot here. When you say lowest, see to me lowest means like eighteen versus one. Well, worst, some people, worst is probably the, be- the 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 best way to describe okay. it. The worst pick, the one closest to round two. Okay, that, that's my point. Being, I think there were some people that thought by worst. I think there were some people that read that and thought whichever team has the worst record, they get that pick. So basically, how it would have looked this year is Houston has pick number four. Utah has picked number nine. Oklahoma City has picked 12. And the Clippers have picked 20. So if it would have gone off this year's final standings, the Pacers would be getting the 20th pick gotcha. in the 2024 NBA draft. And again, this year they traded the 29th pick. So, you know, by all accounts, it's going to be something in the 20s. You know, I would assume the Clippers or, I, I mean, hell, maybe the Thunder put it together and, and get into the playoffs next season. Um, but I am a fan of this. And, and you bring up the Karis Levert thing. A couple of reasons why I like it. One, in no way, shape, or form did you have room for five draft picks tonight. You've got 12 guys under contract for next season. You don't have room to spend picks on each of those five guys. Two... I think you want to continue to make sure that you have some sort of future resources in the cupboard because you never know when you want to turn the leaf over and say, all right, we're done acquiring picks. We now need to make some win-now moves. And when you look at the Karis LeVert trade, for example, or you look at what Boston did in trading uh, with the Pacers for Malcolm Brogdon, you know, at some point you're going to be in a position you would hope as a franchise where, all right, we want to trade the pick for a player. Because we feel like that player is the missing ingredient. And that, I think, is what part of this deal is. You now have two first-round picks for next year. You still have you know, four picks tonight. Um, but I am a big fan of making sure that you keep the, the, that, that cupboard stocked a little bit if and when you want to all of a sudden change your tune and say, all right, we're done acquiring the assets. Let's go out there and try to turn some of these future picks into actual players. The other thing I think it does, it kind of buys you time, Kevin. Like, you know, the Pacers this year, they have a lot of picks, or they had a lot of picks. And it was unrealistic to think that they were going to have the roster space or the room or whatever to to plant all of those picks within their franchise. So this sends two of them out. I mean, you you, you net one spot, if you will, because you're sending two out and you're getting one back for this year, kind of in the same vicinity. But you also are, because of the fact that you're taking two, you know, 29 and 32, and to your point, probably making it like a 20 next year, that buys you some time to figure out who you can run with and who you can make, where you can make room for another young first rounder next year. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? Yeah, and you have to keep tweaking and building this. Like, I, yes, did you speed up the rebuild a little bit with your success this past season? Certainly, but it's not finished. It's not 2023 offseason and you're done. You have to continue to try and 
you know, kind of alter some things and make sure that the pieces stay in place. And maybe you need to add a piece that at this current juncture, it doesn't look like you necessarily need. And, you know, I've said this a thousand times about the Pacers. When you take the GM or the president job in a market like this in the NBA, the draft just matters more. Draft picks mean more. You're not going to attract the type of free agents like other markets can. So the more draft picks you have and the ability to trade those draft picks, the better. So uh, I thought it was a smart move by Kevin Pritchard. And so that means tonight it looks like this. Pick number seven, pick number 26, and then that Denver pick number 40 and 55. So they've gone from five selections to four. Yeah, they netted one, basically. Or they, they lost one, if you will. Yeah, two in round one, then that 40th pick in round two, and the 55th pick also in round two. Uh, good morning to you, by the way. It's a Thursday. Jay Quarry, that's the voice of Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton here as well. It's Kevin and Quarry on 93.5107.5 The Fan. A lot of talk about the NBA draft uh, coming up tonight. Also, the Reds and and I'm not trying to make light of it at all. It would it would seem as though the submarine story, unfortunately, is not going to have a happy ending, right? Are, are we past the time of them being able to do like a rescue and probably now a search? Are we still giggling about it? I, I think that here, here's the thing. I I don't think that I'm out of bounds in saying this. I it's one of those. I mean, it is such a horrific situation from a humanitarian standpoint. That it's almost like there's no way to take in the news of it all than just like have to like chuckle at kind of the absurdity of. Again, I I want to go back to there's there's not a single funny thing about what's happened to these folks. There is a a totally incredulous thing about how it came to be that way, and that's what people are chuckling about. Just like in the what I mean. More and more stories are coming out of people like within that. And I'm not saying they. I don't want it to come off like, well, that's what they that's what they get. But I mean, that company that built that thing, I, I mean, every story that's come out is like people within the own company itself were like, yeah, this has no business going down and doing this thing. Like, this is not ready for this. Yeah, we're, fl- we're hoping for a miracle at this point. Yeah, I mean, and and. You know, even if they locate it, which I hope they do, bringing it back up is a whole different animal. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, from a time standpoint with the oxygen and all of that. Um, yeah, just awful. I, I saw the um, the uh, NBA All-Star announcement yesterday. Did you do, do you see that for um, Saturday night here of All-Star weekend? I saw. I, I just saw like the, a thing about that it was in the news that the countdown was on and, and the mayor held a press conference. So they announced yesterday that for All-Star weekend – the Saturday night activities will be over at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, at first, I was just kind of like surprised by it. The more I read about it, though, I'm like, wow, this is a, I think, a really cool idea. And it allows for many more fans to be in the building Saturday night and to experience All-Star Weekend. And it also allows for much cheaper tickets. I know Scott Agnes was over there at the press conference, so we'll talk with him a little bit more about it uh, coming up at 9 o'clock. But basically, it's going to look like, you know, picture the final four setups that we've had in Lucas Oil Stadium. So the court will be kind of in that south end zone. And obviously, the viewing lines in that building are not ideal. But for a lot of people, I think they're just going to want to check off the box and say, yeah, 
I was able I, to go correct. to. You I know, was part of the festivities. All Star yeah. Weekend, and so Saturday night, the three point contest, the dunk contest, the skills competition inside of Lucas Oil. Uh, the attendance for that they say will be around thirty five thousand seats, and these ticket prices, the first ten thousand five hundred tickets are going to go on sale to people in Indiana coming up late next month. So we get first dibs on it, and the ticket prices. 24 bucks, 49 bucks, and 79 bucks. That seems pretty manageable to me. Very. And again, you double the capacity in going over there on Saturday night. Obviously, the game Sunday will be back inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, but this is a little bit of a wrinkle. We haven't seen really many um, host cities do this. Um, I like it. I think it's cool. Now, this is the opposite of the way things were in 1985. The only other time the NBA All-Star Game came here. In 1985, when the NBA All-Star Game was here, your MVP was Ralph Sampson, by the way. Probably the most iconic image of that All-Star Game weekend was Michael Jordan and uh, in the dunk contest against Dominique Wilkins. And all of the pre-festivities, the dunk contest, the three-point shootout, were at Market Square Arena. And then on Sunday, the All-Star Game was in the Hoosier Dome. Yeah. Now it's the other way around, right? Now it's the Dome on Saturday and then the the more intimate feel of the game itself at Gamebridge Fieldhouse on Sunday. So you get a bigger crowd, much more manageable price point for for us in this state. What is the the price for a ticket to the All-Star Game? Can the general public even buy tickets? Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult for that. I I don't know. We'll ask Scott that at 9. I think it would be difficult to get one of the coveted whatever it is. How many? Is it 17,000 inside of Gamebridge? Yeah. I mean, I think if you're going to want to experience this, the Saturday night option is your best bet. I, I would assume it's got a very corporate feel to it on Sunday. I would, Yes, I would think that's correct. Um, so again, this will be Saturday, February 17th. Um, if you look at kind of the renderings of the court, again, it, it very much looks like a Final Four where the court is in that south end zone at Lucas Oil. Uh, they'll throw up a big curtain, and then I guess on the other side of that, throughout the evening, there will be some concerts and things like that. Um, so I was curious, you know, what twist and what changes would we, Indianapolis, do as a host city? And this appears to be that. You know, again, Scott, I think, was at the All-Star Game in Utah last year, and he mentioned that you know, there were times where you you would have to get on a 20-minute bus ride for, you know, practices and interview sessions. Obviously, here, you're not going to have to do that. Right. Um, so, I thought that was a cool idea by the host committee in doing that. Uh, the other thing, too, someone just asked me, they're like, why wouldn't they just play the game in the Dome? I, I think an, a, an aspect of that answer lies in this. As I'd mentioned, things were different nearly 40 years ago the last time we did this here in Indy. I think that corporate sponsorship of the NBA is such that I would, I don't know this, but my very large assumption would be that when you have an arena that was built for the NBA franchise and the corporate sponsor dollars that go into that, the GameBridge Fieldhouse, GameBridge is paying that money partially, well, almost entirely, sure. They have concerts there. Sure, the state finals are there. But a large percentage of that sponsorship is tied to the fact that it's the home of the Indiana Pacers. The signage inside the arena, so much of that is tied to and directly related to sponsorship dollars to support the NBA. 
the NBA would be adamant that their showcase event would be held inside of the venue that best al- allows eyeballs to their sponsors. That's a good point. I mean, sure, you could put a Gamebridge sign in Lucas Oil and you could put you know the other signs, but I think the authenticity of the money that went into the venue under the understanding that that money was being paid because that's the venue where NBA events are held leads to that responsibility of making sure that that's where it's executed. Another thing to mention, the host committee is going to purchase and hand out 2,400 tickets to Saturday night to nonprofits and community organizations here in the in the Indy area. So, again, Saturday night, three-point skills, dunk contest inside of Lucas Oil, 35,000 tickets ranging from $24 to $79. Uh, what a third of those tickets of the 35,000 go on sale to us right here in the state of Indiana. That's coming up on July 24th. So uh, kudos to the host committee uh, for that one. By the way, you guys had mentioned, um, Mark, did you finish the show Jury Duty? Yes. (laughs) Is it? Did you laugh, Mark? We did, yeah. How many episodes is it? Eight. And they're all like 20 minutes each? Uh Uh-huh. Because I watched the first one, and I guess it just kind of is great laying the groundwork. I mean, there were a couple of chuckles, but I didn't find it like overly like. So does it get better? Oh yeah, okay. yeah. You're laying the groundwork in the first episode. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, it's very funny. Maddie's still laughing about it. Okay, keep going. Hang in there. Yeah, give it, give it a chance. <laughs> I, I wasn't I wasn't ready to bail on it altogether. It, it was. I felt like it was getting a tough sell, and because I think Shannon was kind of like okay. It's okay. But, like, you know, I was waiting for the hijinks. Does that make sense? Because you guys were complimentary well, of it. Yeah, they, they have to. And for those who don't know, the Jury Duty show is on Amazon Prime. It's a, a show where uh, this guy thinks he's on a documentary style. And that guy is not an actor, right? No, he's on a documentary style thing about jury duty. But he plays his role The so twist well. is that he is the only real person everyone else Literally everybody that walks the halls, that's in the, on the jury, the judge, the police officer, everyone else is an actor. So, okay, so here's my question, because you just said that, Kevin, he plays his role so well. Well, yes, he he's not an actor, but he's the perfect sort of personality and temperament to what you would want in that role. So he is literally, though, not aware of it, He's correct? oblivious. <laughs> he's in the clouds. <laughs> I mean that 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 part alone. So once they got this, seems like a huge roll of the dice, though. Because what if they got all the way done with it? Yeah, if they got you, they they'd be in trouble. You'd be way too curious. You, you, yeah, is that a compliment? Sure. But but what I'm saying is, what if they got all the way done with it, and then he was like, "No, I'm not signing off on you guys using me like that." Yeah, I I guess that's a risk you take, and you try to sweeten the commas and the zeros on it. I'd be boy. I'd be holding out for a long Milking time. Milking that? Heck, are you kidding me? Uh, did you watch college baseball last night? Uh, Florida moving on, right? And LSU Wake Forest. We got a big time pitching matchup to join Florida in the title game. Yeah, I was I was a little disappointed to see TCU lose. Yeah, the Horn Frogs. Florida. It was in the ninth when Florida took it, right? Yeah. So Florida is in the championship series. They will await the winner of Wake and LSU. LSU wins last night to keep their season alive and set up this winner-go-home game tonight, and I guess we have a pitching matchup tonight, which, you know, I feel like when you kind of get deep into these respective tournament runs, you inevitably get a team that's like, boy, 
none of our starters are ready to go. It's going to be a bullpen night. We're just scrambling at this point right. in the postseason. Tonight, each of these starters for LSU and Wake supposedly are supposed to be top 15 picks. I Make it fun to watch, right? So, if the NBA draft starts to bore you, I know Wake Wake's pitching staff is what has you know left. That's the one that has put them in this great stratosphere this year, supposedly. Yeah, they've been really good all season long. So, down to three teams in Omaha, uh, and obviously tonight's the NBA draft. I continue to be a fan of a Jarris Walker or a Taylor Hendricks. Jake, anybody else you wouldn't mind seeing there at? At pick seven for the Pacers, if indeed they continue to stand pat over the next 12 hours? You know, I have not seen them play. I, I can't imagine that one of those Thompson brothers is there. Um, Maybe Walker Hendricks. I, I think the third name that, you know, you mentioned Walker Hendricks. I, I think Cam Whitmore, Villanova, if he's there, he's very intriguing. And then, but I have a feeling, and I want to make very clear. I have zero knowledge on this. Zero. I thought you were gonna sing a black eyed peas song there. But <laughs> but I have a I have an odd feeling that you cannot rule out them taking Grady Dick at that spot. At seven. Yes. Gosh, all this talk about defense and that's the path I, they go. I, I'm just saying I, I don't know that I have nothing to base that on other than just I don't know. Yeah, team that ranked thirtieth in scoring defense and 29th in rebounding. I I like I, I think Grady Dick will be a fine pro, but that cannot be the selection in my mind at seven. Um, you know, Walker and Hendricks are different types of players, but both of them you mentioned defense first, which I think is really really important. It's just kind of the flavor of what you want, assuming both will be there, it, it, which is probably not an assumption that is fair to make it seems like there is some chatter about one probably walker of the two that would go ahead of indiana there at seven um so we'll get into that today did uh no shock probably to people in this market you see malcolm brogdon failed physical on that trade yesterday i know that trade was i mean it'd been circling around and commented on for forever right um so you have Kristaps Porzingis heading to Boston and Marcus Smart to Memphis. Those were the headliners. I think Boston actually gets two first-round picks. Washington involved is the third team. Doesn't Marcus Smart just fit Memphis? 1,000% yes. I mean, is that are, – are they bringing in Marcus Smart to be the veteran tutor for John Morant? Well, and obviously I would assume this means Dylan Brooks is gone, gone. I think they, they basically said as much, right? I, I wonder where Dylan Brooks is going to end up because for those unfamiliar, Dylan Brooks was the guy against the Lakers that spouted off and was like, LeBron can't guard. I, mean, I can't remember what he said, but he basically like challenged LeBron and then he went out and went and shot like 20% in the series and LeBron had triple doubles every game and it was just like, what are we doing here? You know, I like the challenge. He just seemed like kind of a knucklehead and he kind of shot them out of that series Porzingis is fascinating to me because he is a unicorn there's no doubt about it but like Porzingis is kind of one of those guys Kevin I'm like are we still doing this yeah I know I mean like how many games has he even played he's he could shoot I, I saw him here I think it was last year one of the few games where he was like how I mean he he's seemingly health is an issue with him there was a game here where he hit like his first five threes in like the first four minutes of the game, it felt like. It's like, man, this guy can – obviously, he's a mega talent. 
but let's see what his – I want to see how many games he's played. I could be way off on this, but doesn't it feel like he hasn't played a lot of games? Yeah, I his... felt like last year he was a little bit healthier. I don't know. I, I, it could be – Yeah, okay, he played 65 games last year, but he played a total of 51 games – I guess, okay, 51, 51, 43, 47. He's never played more than 72 in a season. He played 65 a year ago. But last year he averaged. Porzingis still gave you 23 a game, okay? I mean, that just seems 23 and 7 per game. Yeah, losing smart I, I think will be something to keep an he eye is on. He is a – smart is a, is a key player for them. Yeah, and, you know, does a lot of the dirty work. Um so he is off to Memphis. That's probably the first kind of big deal we've seen here. And obviously today, uh, we'll continue to monitor things leading into tonight. Jake, you think the trade, so no more 29, no more 32. The Pacers have 26-40. Does that mean that they're too high at 26 for Trace Jackson Davis and too low for him at 40? That's a really good question. I think 26 is right. I think 26 is right around when you're starting to open the door for Jackson Davis to to walk into the draft, if you will. I, it does feel like Kevin, if you had, you know, if you had when you had twenty six, twenty nine, thirty two, you know, it felt like that gives you a little bit of a, a safety net to play with one of them, and maybe go outside the box, and maybe Trace Jackson Davis would have been that, and that just based on what they need. So I don't know. Na- if they take him at 26 now, it means they really, really, really feel like, no, no, this is the guy that's better than, than everybody else at that spot. I I think that's around the area where he's going to start being – you know when they do during the draft, they have that list of best player available? Yeah. Uh-huh. I think his name starts to – on that little ticker, starts to appear around 26. You know, I'm sure teams give false promises to a lot of prospects – but for what it's worth, I think Trace was told by Golden State that they like him at 19. Now, you know, I guess you can insert your jokes here, a naive nature to, you know, how many prospects are they telling? Hey, we like you at 19. Well, yeah, we also like five other people. And if they're on the board, we like you a little bit the, higher than that. Apparently, The Athletic has said that at 40, which is the pick um, that the Pacers just acquired, that 40 is where they would take Trace Jackson Davis. That he that there is a mock from the athletic that has him going to the Pacers at forty. I, I again, I think late. I think twenty five to thirty, the back end of that, like twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, somewhere around there, is where his name will start to be glossed over or you know looked at by teams. And then I'll be curious to see if he falls to forty. If he was there at forty, I would agree that that's he is a known commodity. You know what he can do. It might be limitation in what he can do versus the potential of what other players can do in multiple areas. But in Jackson Davis's, it, it's kind of like this. If you are building a house and you've got your choice between one guy that is kind of a handyman that can do a lot of different things, none of them exceptionally well, but he's a handyman that can do a lot of things, or they say, or we can send you a guy that is one of the best roofers and um, guys laying the the hardwoods in the neighborhood. He can only do those two things, but he does those two things really well. Do you get the guy that like you can just kind of put anywhere and have him work for the, tomorrow on the piping and tomorrow on the painting and what? Or do you get the guy and you say, "I'm just going to go ahead and get my flooring and roofing taken care of." Yeah, I, Jackson Davis is that latter guy. I think a lot of the dilemma when you get into round two is 
Do you take the accomplished college player who, to your point, Jake, does one or two things maybe really well, or do you take the flyer on the international Correct. guy? Uh, that's a. I mean, and again, one of them turns out to be Draymond Green, and the other turns out to be, you know, Nikola Jokic, or or one of them turns out to be. Yeah, Nikolai Skidavili, yeah, you know, I mean, and there's still know. an element for the Pacers of do they have roster spots? You know, it, guaranteed contracts. I guess right now it'd be seven to twenty-six. That's fourteen guys under contract for next year. You're very quickly getting into two-way deals. This is another reason why I just felt like there was no way you were going to spend five draft picks, and why yesterday's trade uh, to get a first rounder for 2024 made a whole lot of sense to me. I'm Kevin Bowen. He's Jake Quarry. Mark Dykton with us as well. Greg Rakestar going to join us here in about 15 minutes. Scott Agnes, more on the Pacers um, draft leading in tonight. I think Scott mentioned it yesterday. After that trade, he felt like that the Pacers would still be pretty active on the trade front. So we'll chat with Scott about that coming up in a little bit. Uh, It is supposed to be, I think, a pretty nice Thursday. Maybe a little cloudy this afternoon, but no rain in the forecast here. You're listening to Kevin Aquari on 93.5107.5, The Fan. At least in most of our lifetimes, not all, most of our lifetimes for the Cincinnati Reds. Yesterday, also in Major League Baseball, Giants doubling up the Padres 4-2. It was Dodgers 2-0 over the Angels. Rangers 6-3 over the White Sox. Twins over the Red Sox. Guardians over Kevin's Athletics. Mm. Yankees over the Mariners. Nationals blanked the Cardinals. Cute fella on the short end. Uh, they lost. Mark's pumping his fist. Pumping 7-2, the Rays over the cute fella. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the Diamondbacks beat the Brewers 5-1. Mm-hmm. That helps the Reds. That's fine. Uh, college baseball. College World Series tonight. It will be Wake Forest and it will be Louisiana State playing for the right to advance and face Florida in the, is it best of three? Best of three, correct. Yeah. Yep. So game three tonight. Yeah, and again, a great pitching matchup. Supposedly two top 15 picks going uh, for LSU and Wake Forest. Outside of the NBA draft, you've got the Fever in Seattle tonight. They start a four-game Western trip. Uh, And then obviously with the draft, with yesterday's news of the Pacers uh, trading with Denver, they've gone from five selections to four in this year's draft. So right now, they will be picking 7th and 26th in round one. Again, round one, five minutes long. Glorious, the NBA draft just does five minutes for their picks. Then in round two, those selections are two minutes long, even better. Uh, They have picks number 40 from Denver and then number 55. We mentioned this in the opening segment, the trade yesterday for a 2024 first rounder from Denver is... I guess matters about how four teams finish next season. In all likelihood, they will be picking, I would say, somewhere in the early 20s. Early to mid-20s. I have a game, an NBA draft game I'd like to create. Oh. Should we let Rakestraw in on this too? So be four of us? Sure. Any tease with it or does this need to be flushed out during the break? Uh, it's kind of like a drinking game. And there's and there's, there's no way to actually uh, monitor it. So like most of our games, there's no actual like scoring to it. Oh, okay. Just but it's integrity. Correct. But it's a fun game to play. We'll do that next. Greg Gregshaw joins us on the other side. Kevin Aquara here, 93.5, 5, The Fan. So here is my... Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. A NBA draft lottery game that we're going to play. Not really, but for fun, theoretically. You ready? Yeah. We're going to have our own draft. Now... We can't do this based on pick number one because you can kind of, it's obvious what words may be used. So if we were to just pick a number randomly, well, for that matter, we could say for the Pacers draft pick, whoever the Pacers take at seven, assuming they stay at seven, if you had to, if, if, if you were in Vegas and you could put down on, you know, you, you, this was a wagering game. You've got to pick or buy one of these adjectives, and whichever one is the first that is used on draft night by the panel of 16 analysts that are on the stage, you win the million dollars. And your choices are long, upside, quickness, raw, wingspan, high motor, basketball IQ. Which one is the one that will be first used in describing the Pacers pick, and which one mm. is most mm. used over the course of the first round? Oh, well, I would say for the Pacers pick, long and wingspan. Because if it's Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks, both of those dudes have wingspans over seven feet. So I would venture to guess and, and slash hope that would be the first one used. Uh, in, in general, it's got to be upside, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm going... I feel like that's what you get after you get out of like the top ten. You're like, oh, he's got upside. Oh, but I, I still feel like in the top ten you get it. I mean, the two Thompsons didn't play college basketball. You know, obviously Webb and Yama's an international prospect. Scoot Henderson didn't. You know, I I feel like long. Every player's long. Well, he's long. He's got a high. Of course, if the thing is long is kind of a parlay because if you're going with long, then you usually get wingspan that 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 is right around with it, right? I always am curious why age is such a huge like people act like Trace Jackson Davis and Chris Murray are 45 years old entering this draft. Did we have the age debate with Will Levis and Anthony Richardson? Oh, it was very very static. Yeah. To the degree that we would have it if we were debating a 20 versus 24-year-old in the NBA. Isn't the shelf life in the NBA a lot longer than it is in the NFL? Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. Um, I think because part of the NBA draft is it's like playing the stock market. You're buying future, like future stocks, basically. And... With it, the, the older a player is, the closer it feels like they are to what you're going to get out. Of, you're already getting the sample size, and, and I think teams like to buy the intrigue of somebody of what are they going to be in three to five years. You know, they're still growing into it. Everybody wants to hit, right? Everybody wants to find their Giannis, their you know, I mean, hell, their their Jokic, a guy that like, oh man, look look how smart they were. You want to ask Rake about your about your game here? 
Greg Rexdot joins us now on the Payless Hookers Hotline. Uh, Greg, if you were to pick one of these two phrases, with a the one that will the phrase that will be used the first to describe the Pacers pick, and then b the one that will be used the most in tonight's first round television coverage, y- your options are long, upside, quickness, raw, wingspan, high motor high basketball IQ. Which one of those gets uttered the most tonight? Uh, I would I would say long. Do you throw athletic in there? Ooh, um, athletic's a good one, yep. Clear, clearly upside. Uh, you're drafting some <laughs> freshmen or international players. Um, but for the Pacers, I would say I would say long and defender would be what gets used the most at pick number that's, seven. That's what Kevin's going with. Okay, Rake, are we still in that streak of an Indiana high school prospect going in round one? I I, I kind of forget if that streak is still alive. Yeah, I'm I'm spacing on that one too. We have somebody taken in the first round last year as well. Well, I guess Laravia, right? Well, and, and Jay Ivy. Yep. Correct. Yeah, I wasn't sure if that. I felt like in the last like two to three years, maybe the streak stopped, but I wasn't a hundred percent positive on that. The other thing I was going to ask you in regards to that, the Indiana high school prospect that averaged the most points in the NBA last season was Desmond Bain. What do you remember about Desmond Bain in high school? The Desmond was a heck of a player at Tiny Seton Catholic. Uh, people knew that he was a Division One level kid. I don't think anybody thought he was going to be an NBA player. Um, like he's a max know, NBA player now. He's getting that direction. I mean, it, 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 the numbers he's putting up is 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 something impressive. But you know, he was an Indiana All Star level kid, and he was a kid that kind of took forever to figure out where he's going to go to college because he's kind of like you know waiting for the proper opportunity. Uh, late in the game, in comes TCU. Clearly, everything worked out for him there. Uh, but uh, but being being an all star level player from a high school that had less than hundred kids, that's immediately what comes to mind. Greg Rakestraw is our guest. Payless Sugars Hotline. Greg, let's start with the Pacers in the draft tonight. Uh, before we get to other things, I, I personally feel like, um, and I know that defensively, that's what's going to intrigue them, and that's what theoretically they're going after with pick number seven is is i think walker of houston's probably the safest bet um whitmore from villanova do you see any chance that they go anything away from defensive forward no and just just because they've got you know they've got so many pieces that are similar you know with with matherin with neesmith they're kind of overloaded the point guard position with you know, with Tyrese, with 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 Nemhard, with TJ, um, you know the fact that I can spit out five players that can play kind of the one, two, or the three, and you don't have that same thing at the four. You tried Jalen Smith there last year, didn't really work. Um, you know, you're thinking about him or Jackson as your backup and not the four. You've got a glaring at the four. Now the four again is a lot different than uh, what it was. Uh, you know, just uh, a few years ago. We're not talking about Dale Davis, you know, lining up next to, uh, you know, Miles Turner here. Um, but, but again, knowing that, that the need is, is pretty easy to see, I think it's that type of player they are going with. And, again, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you that I can, you know, spit out so many facts about Walker, Whitmore, Hendricks, et cetera. Um, but I really think it comes down to, 
I think if Walker's available at seven, I think that's the guy to go with. Greg Rakestraw, IFC Sports Network, with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Rake, a guy that will certainly, by all accounts, uh, continue whatever Indiana high school streak there is in a couple of years would be Flory Badunga out of Kokomo. I, I was reading something. I think Kyle Benrip wrote this from over the weekend. Flory Badunga is going to play high school soccer this year for Kokomo. Is that correct? I heard that yesterday as well. Uh, I was having a conversation with one of my Kokomo buddies, and yes, Flory is. Uh, Flory's I'm sure that played the sport growing up. Is this a goalie? Um, uh, that that's what George Hill does. I think Flory's going to be a field player. Yeah, somebody um, sent me a picture of him playing in the field for Kokomo. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That is incredible. I mean, when you think about this day and age in high school athletics and the specialization of it, and, I mean, hell, if you're Flory Badunga, nowadays 70%, 80% of those guys go and play at some sort of prep school or academy or whatever, overtime elite, uh, and now this dude is going to be playing soccer in the NCC conference? Not bad, right? <laughs> you know, I, I think what it is, too, is that you know, there are, and maybe this happens more in football, um, but there there are guys that will be, you know, football players, but also baseball or, or basketball players as well as football that will play through their junior year. By the time they get to their senior year, like, hey, I'm going to focus on football. I'm going to maybe gra- even graduate a semester early. Um, so many kids that are top-end basketball players, again, occasionally you get a kid that's really good at football or a baseball player out of that group. But you don't know there are kids that are specialized over the years. Flory is so good in terms of, of where his recruiting level is. He's probably at work still to improve his, his offensive game. But he's so good, it's not like a school's going to say, hey, we're not going to recruit you if you play soccer. We're, th- we're worried about you damaging your stock. No, he's like so elite nationally, like, you know, top five to ten player in the nation. Nobody's going to tell him no. You know, no Michigan, Duke, Purdue, Indiana, etc. Nobody's going to say, "Hey, we don't think you should be playing in soccer this year." That's how good of a player he is. So I think it's great that he's going out and doing something like that. In terms of his, and Greg, I, it's not like any of us necessarily, quote unquote, know, right? But from from what you hear, in terms of his recruitment. You know, initially, I think a lot of people thought Cincinnati because he has like a familial tie with the group, that, with the the folks that that are why he's in Kokomo or here, as I understand it. Purdue has is apparently been, you know, pretty consistent with him. But he went to Duke yesterday. He's visited visited Indiana. Now he's got literally his pick of the crop. Is there any school that appears to be or is thought to be a leader for him, or is it wide open? Again, there's the family tie to Cincinnati. Um, Michigan, I, I, I think there was a, a, a feel of a good fit there, but I truly think it's wide open. Um, and, and again, he is such a special talent uh, in terms of the things that he does exceptionally well that he had to pick. And it's truly any school in the country would say, we've got a spot for you. Uh, and so I, I, don't think there's a leader in the clubhouse right now. Um, I, I, th- I think it truly is, you know, o- open for where he wants to go because I think the possibilities are limitless for that kid. Rick, it's always a little bit of everything whenever you hop on with us, so I hope I'm not putting you on the spot, but I think given your soccer background, 
uh, you'll have something on this. I saw that the U.S. women's national team announced their roster for the World Cup upcoming here in Australia and New Zealand. I think it starts late next month. They're going for a three-peat, which has never been done, and I saw that Dennis Rodman's daughter is on the team. That is Trinity, correct. And again, Dennis was, was not an active participant in her life growing up. Um, but but she has she has is is one of fourteen uh, first time World Cup participants for the U.S. Women's team. Is so she a starter? For, uh, she she could be. I mean, huh. thing is, on a World Cup roster, you're taking twenty three, right? Uh, and so you're, you're not, you know, other than the backup goalkeeper or two that usually don't play. Everybody else is usually going to see some time, uh, and so. Uh, you know, she's one of the she's one of the better players in, in the NWSL, the National Women's Soccer League. So she's a very talented player, uh, and so uh, I think she's going to start. Uh, and if not, and you know, she's going to see some minutes at some point in time. It's kind of the way that, that things shape up. So uh, our our team is the two time defending champs. I'm not sure we're the best. I mean, we're going to be one of the favorites. We always are, but again, it's it's. I think the world is starting to catch up with us a, a little bit more. Uh, and we are kind of going through this this changeover period where there are several new faces that are in the in the in the roster, and there's also been three or four injuries that that have happened to players that you know would have been playing. Uh, the latest would be in Becky Sauerbrunn, who would be the team captain uh, that can't go because of an injury. So um, we're always a threat to win it. I don't think that we are the. I would, and when we say we were the slam dunk favorite the last couple of times, but we were we were the favorite. Um, I, I think I think we're one of a few favorites this time around. Jake, you care to guess the three other countries in our group? Now this is the Women's World Cup coming up late right, next but month. The, the group is not necessarily like regionalized of the world. No, right? two from Europe and one non-European oh, okay. country. Yeah, I, I can't believe I didn't know this. Uh, Croatia, one, okay. right? Um, Denmark, okay, and then you know, really a, a sleeper in this whole thing, Guyana. I feel like we could be guessing for an hour for the fourth country. Uh, Netherlands and Portugal would be the two European countries. Okay. The fourth country, Vietnam. Really, Rick? Okay. I was shocked to see that. It's part of um, you know the, the the growth of the game. The field has expanded over the course of the last couple of World Cups, hmm. and so you get some more unique nations that qualify. I think we put it on Thailand like eleven nothing or thirteen nothing. Oh, I forgot about that uh, in, in, in the last World Cup, and we were you know deemed to be you know poor sports because we you know ran it up a little bit. Uh, I, I I don't know what the strength of this Vietnamese women's team, but I would I would be thinking that maybe a similar result could be in order in the in the group stage opener for Team USA on July twenty first. July twenty first. By the way, Vietnam is supposedly um, from everything I've ever read, absolutely gorgeous. Like really? literally, yeah, one of the most yeah, uh, just a beautiful country. Greg, appreciate it. Enjoy the. Uh, Hopefully, the the dry weather today, and always a pleasure. Appreciate it. See you guys. Greg Rakestraw on the Payless Sugars Hotline. Scott Agnes coming up in an hour. Um, Eight o'clock hour, more in the draft. And I have a question for you guys that that falls under the category of, um, am I being, am I being a jerk? We'll put it that way. Am I being judgmental? How's that? Wow. Am I being judgmental? I have a question for you no guys. No bias about that, for Mark we'll and I's answer. On the that. eight o'clock hour. Uh, it's Kevin and Corey, ninety three five one zero seven five. The fan. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm going to cruise through a bunch of the latest mock drafts to see kind of what the consensus is for where the Pacers are going at seven. I, I think it's probably Walker from Houston seems to be the consensus. Uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. I got a question for you guys. I need you to tell me if I'm being too judgmental. Do, do you find me to be a judgmental person? Um, If I was writing like a positive press release on you, I'd probably use a different word. But, you know, <laughs> we, we could find a synonym that maybe sounds a little bit better. So, my buddy Tony... Bingo card. Uh, he's my Clemson buddy down Tony in South Katz? Carolina. Uh, not Tony Katz. Oh. I, I mean, not that he's not a buddy, but different Tony. So my buddy Tony in Clemson, who I love like a brother, and his wife Diana, their son, I love them. Fabulous people. But they are, and you, you guys have children. I do not. So I'm going to defer to you guys here. They're all in on the Disney stuff. They, they go to the Disney cruises. They go to Disneyland on the regular. They're, I mean, of course, I don't think it's very far from where they live in South Carolina to Orlando. It's probably a short flight or not, maybe even like a, an afternoon's worth of driving. I don't know. but uh, Or like a long day drive. But they go, I mean, literally like four or five times a year, they're doing Disney-related stuff. Now, the Disney thing is like that, right? Like people get in on the Disney thing and they're all in, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and that's, that's cool. So... A couple of days ago, I noticed on social media, they're posting that they're getting ready for the, like the trip of a lifetime to Paris. And I'm like, oh, gosh. And I hate, hate is the wrong word. I, I try not to be that guy of like, you're going so, you know, to such and such. You got to do this. You got to do that. It's like, you know, whatever. You got There's a restaurant you got to try. And yeah, there's 50,000 restaurants in Paris. I'm glad that you enjoyed that one while you were there, etc. So I try not to be that guy. But I texted. I simply texted Tony and said, "Oh my gosh, Paris was amazing when I was there. The one thing that I most enjoyed that we did was a bike tour of the city at night. It was just fabulous. The weather was perfect. Um, but you know, have a great time, whatever." So I'm looking on social media this morning as I'm getting ready because, of course, they're like six hours ahead, right? So they're already off running their day. So they landed, and then yesterday they did like the Eiffel Tower. And a couple of, well, the Eiffel Tower was the one thing that they did. And I'm sure they're jet lagged or whatever else. And then today, there's the, the video or the picture of them, and they're on the train and they're going to Disneyland mm-hmm. Paris. Yeah. Now, checks out. Okay. My only thing is, and this is where I'm, I'm wanting to know if I'm just a judgmental 50 year old with no kids. Um, it, it seems to me, I'm like, if you're going to go all the way to across the ocean to a different country to a city like paris that has the greatest art museum in the world and you know just fabulous neighborhoods and history and everything else like it seems odd to me to go do something that is just the same version of what you have in orlando but the mouse is now french am i off base here well you could go to cemeteries in different cities you go to cemeteries anywhere true but different because the cemetery that i would go to in paris i am seeing different 
people and different architecture and whatever else than I would see in like Chicago. If you yeah. go to a theme park, though, like if you go to like Holiday World here or you go to Six Flags Great America in Gurney, Illinois, I mean, okay, there's a carousel here. But I, I, and I don't there. know, but wouldn't the Disneyland Paris be very similar to Disney World in Orlando? They have I guess, different I guess things. that's why you go, to yeah. see if it is you the same you co- Basically, and, and I, I'd be curious to know how old the kids are. I mean, it's not like they can really do any activities, I'd assume, without the kids. Yeah, let's just leave them at the hotel and get a babysitter. I would assume your activities have got to be kid centric hey kids you want to look at some art i think their son like tours at night probably isn't going to fit the mold for that oh there were there were a bunch of the the bike tour let me rephrase that the bike tour which by the way if anybody's listening is i will be that guy when i say this if you go to paris or barcelona because i did them both fat tire is the name of the company and they do like english speaking bike tours there were a lot of kids on it because there were a lot of fam the group's like 15 and we had a we had a family from indianapolis actually in our group their son i think is 12 i think he's 12 years old so the bike tour is like from 5 p.m to 7 30 it's not like it's like in the middle of the night fat tire also a solid beer by the way it is a solid beer yeah i i just can't see the 12 year old loving art museum tours but that's me Okay. It's the old saying of when you take the kids on vacation, you as parents, you then need a vacation for yourself. It's not truly a vacation. Mark can probably speak to that. Yeah. A little bit better, and certainly just spend time on. So one, if but. you if you went to Paris with your twelve year old, you wouldn't take them to see the Mona Lisa. I, I, I would have to think of what I was like at twelve. I mean, maybe that's a stop at some point, and I don't know. Maybe that's that will be a stop for them. Maybe night one is just cross off the old. Disneyland Paris thing. Definitely would take them to the Eiffel Tower. Mona Lisa, I don't know how much interest they would have at 12 years old. Well, didn't your parents take you to places when you were 12 that you didn't have interest in at the time? I mean, yeah, I went they on brought a, me to like a, on a wine tour, and then we I went on drink a, or anything. In eighth like, grade, we went on a trip to Washington D.C. as a school group, and we went to like the Smithsonian and saw the Hope Diamond. And I don't know at the time how much it meant to me, but and I went through the White House. I got stopped by Secret Service in the White House, by the way. Oh, that's a shock. Yeah. Sir, put that pencil back. Yeah, so we, you're saying that that I'm I'm being the grumpy old guy by. I got, I got no issue with the stop at Disneyland Paris. Yeah. How, well, how clearly Disney means for? a lot to the family and yeah. want to experience it. And you know, people go to Disneyland versus Disney World. It, it, yeah, I got I, I got no issue with it. Your kids are only little for so long, so if they want to do Disneyland in Paris and you have that ability to do that, by all means. Okay. What about this? What about if you went to? Is it unusual if you flew to Paris strictly to go to the Disneyland Paris and then come back? Yeah, I, yeah, I would think you'd want to go see more things in Paris than just that. But again, that's that's their choice. If that's what they want to do with their money and time, by all means, do what you, do what makes you happy. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Athletic says that at forty, the Pacers are going to take Trace Jackson Davis. That's a, that's a mock draft. Um, if you're just joining us, the Pacers yesterday making a trade. They have sent the 29th and 32nd pick to Denver for Denver's 40th pick this year and then a first-rounder next year. And, Kevin, that first-rounder is conditional upon, like, nine different things, right? Yeah, and it's probably worth explaining again. So, yes, they are getting a first-rounder from Denver, but it depends on Houston, Utah, the Clippers, and Oklahoma City. Um, I think the best way to explain this is go off last year's record. And if you look at those four teams, the Pacers will be acquiring the worst pick, the one closest to round two of those four teams. So if you look at last year, Houston right now, fourth pick, Utah, ninth, Oklahoma City, 12th, 
And the Clippers, 20th. So the Clippers have the worst of those four. So the Pacers, if the exact same records hold for those four teams next year, they would acquire the 20th overall pick there in round one. So, again, I'm a fan of this move. I think, you know, for people that are listening yesterday, you heard me talk about move some of these late first-rounders for a future first-rounder. You got way too much of a logjam this year with 12 guys under contract on your roster. You don't have room for all these guaranteed contracts uh, or the five picks, um, and it continues to kind of help you out moving forward if and when that time occurs as a franchise of, oh, wow, here we are in January. Here we are in early February. We're the fourth seed. We feel like we're a piece away. Boom. Let's trade the first-round pick and do what Cleveland did with you to get Karis LeVert or Boston did with you to get Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, at some point, you would like to think the Pacers will be in a, a different mindset than they're in right now. Because right now, and very understandably, it's been collect as many draft picks as possible. Now, they've reached a point where that's not of like extreme importance. I think they're going to get to a point where, okay, let's have some flexibility with turning those draft picks into players. So, I am a big, big fan of what they did yesterday. I think it's funny when you have a first-round pick like Indiana has acquired for next year that's been traded like four times. No, no, it's so confusing. It's like a hot potato pick. Like, here's a first-round pick that no one seems to want. It's so confusing. You know? Well, then figuring out, like, it's top 10 protected. I know. Lottery. Mm -hmm. uh, Top four protected. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, for those that don't know, protected means the following. I, I mean, I assume most people know this, but if you're listening and you're not overall dialed in or paid that close attention a protected pick like you will hear for example and it's not necessarily applicable in this case but for example the Pacers had a pick last year they had a they had Cleveland's first rounder that was lottery protected meaning that if Cleveland got into the lottery they maintain that pick you only get the pick if Cleveland had not been in the lottery like that that pick that that Indiana got when it originally was Houston's pick, was called top four protected, meaning that if Houston had ended up with a top four pick, they hold on to that. They don't have to to trade it away. It then defers to another year. It does get pretty confusing, admittedly. When you look at the two guys that I've mentioned the most over the last month or so, again, I would be totally content if the Pacers ended up with Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks tonight. They are similar in some ways, and they are really different in other ways. I think most people want Walker ahead of Hendricks. I don't know if that has to do with maybe just more prominence with Walker being a Houston guy. They obviously were a one seed, um, really hyped freshman entering Kelvin Sampson's program. Um, The differences. Jairus Walker, very physically imposing. I mean, you look at him and you think that dude is 19. 6'8", 230, 240, just a grown, grown man. Long wingspan. I think... The major pros to him are a versatile defender, can really rebound it. If you look at the NCAA tournament, he had some big games rebound and blocking shot-wise against Miami, against Auburn. The question, um, is that jump shot consistent enough? I think he was 34% from three. And so offensively, I think people look at him and think he's a little bit more of a, you know, a little bit more of a field player. You know, kind of moves the ball. Um... You know, not some dead eye shooter. 
you know, how high is that ceiling on the offensive end of the floor? Whereas Hendricks, body type wise, I think is much just like lankier. I, I've seen some people compare him to a poor man's Jaron Jackson Jr. So not as thick. I mean, he's not skinny by any means, but not as thick as Walker. Uh, again, another big wingspan. The, the probably the biggest pro to him is he is a much more accomplished shooter. He shot at forty percent from three last year. Um, good rim protector, probably more of a rim protector than a guy like Walker. Uh, but again, still a versatile defender. Maybe not quite the rebounder that Jarris Walker was at Houston. Um, and I think there are some questions about you know is he a playmaker for you on the offensive end of the floor? Is he just a spot up? Shooter, So, to me, it's kind of the flavor of what you want if both are there, which I think there are questions about both of them being there on the board. Um, but, again, I am a fan of either of those selections at number seven. Taking a look at some of the, the mock drafts, which I always say are, are good to mock, but they give you an idea, right? Yahoo, Jarris Walker. They have him going uh, to Indiana at seven, then with the other picks, Maxwell Lewis and Jalen Wilson, the guard out of Kansas. Bleacher Report, Hendricks, along with Jed Howard and Gigi Jackson. Gigi Jackson, I think he's the youngest dude in the draft. Yeah, he's a South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Shooting guard? Yeah. Uh, SB Nation, Jarris Walker, James, I'm hoping I'm saying this correctly, Najee, who is a center out of Barcelona, and then with the 40th pick, Trace Jackson Davis to Indiana. And... DraftKings, Cam Whitmore, seventh overall. And then the kid um, with the second pick, the 26th pick, uh, Olivier Maxence Prosser out of Marquette. They don't go into the second round, so it doesn't say who they think the Pacers would take 40th. I, I think there are those that feel like if the Pacers took Trace Jackson Davis with the 40th pick, that it would be, you know, you're going to get those people that are like, well, that's a, they're trying to sell tickets, like when they drafted Damon Bailey in 94, trying to sell tickets. I think in the case of Trace Jackson Davis, they they do think that he can do some things, honestly. So you don't think he'd be on the two-way deal? You don't think he'd be a little mad in action with that second-round pick? I mean, that if they drafted him there, probably, yeah, that's, that's possible. But, again, I'm going to go back to what I was told about Trace Jackson Davis throughout his – his workouts and tryouts and and the the quote unquote the process and that is he does what he does very well which is you know rim protect and rebound and he is starting to show he can do other areas better than what he has shown. Because any part of Trace Jackson Davis is like I don't want the Pacers to draft me. Yes. Having nothing to do. I mean, he's not going to say that now. Sure, and, and you know he'll be grateful for the opportunity. But God, there's got to be an element of like, do I really want to constantly answer Dale Davis questions and everyone's going to notice me? And here's all over the other town. Thing. And yeah. expectations, I think, naturally will just be higher. In addition to that, he he, you know, if when you get out of college. You know, one of the things to me about college that was exciting when I was in college that I can still kind of feel or capture is I remember being totally intrigued and fascinated by the prospect of where I might end up. Where am I going to end up living? Where am I going to get a job? Now, obviously, and it wasn't necessarily by design, I ended up, you know, I didn't spring very far, obviously, but... I think to an extent, a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, who played at Center Grove, played at Indiana, to your point, Dale Davis's son, there has to be an element of 
the world is now my oyster. And like, I want to go, am I going to be, wow, am I going to be living in Salt Lake City or Phoenix or Orlando or New Orleans? I think there would be an element of, and I love, like I said, you cut me, I bleed the torch, right? I love Indiana and I love Indianapolis. But I think at that age, there would be an element of, I'm excited to be able to go see the world. And you can still do that. I get it. But I would just think it'd be overwhelming. Totally. And in addition to that, Kevin, let's face it. Next year, if if Indiana University, if Mike Woodson next year has a disappointing year or, or Indiana is struggling, or even if they're playing really well, if Trace Jackson Davis is playing for the Pacers, literally after like every other practice and media availability, people are going to be wanting to talk to Trace Jackson Davis about like, so what do you think of Indiana struggles? Like that? And, and I'm sure he's like, yeah, man, I, I, I played there for four years. I had a great time. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to do my own thing. Whereas if he is playing for the Dallas Mavericks, nobody's going to ask about Indiana, right? Yeah. If he gets drafted by the Suns, Frank Vogel is not answering questions about Trace's playing time. Correct. If he gets, if he gets drafted by the Pacers, Rick Carlisle is answering questions about Trace Jackson Davis's playing time. Correct. Uh, again, 7 o'clock, our coverage. 8 o'clock, the draft begins. Five minutes for each pick in round one. Two minutes for each pick in round two. The Pacers, 7, 26, 40, and 55. Those are their selections after yesterday's trade. Again, they got a first-rounder coming next year in yesterday's trade. If you look at the Vegas odds right now, just pulled up the old betting app. Plus 100 for Jarris Walker at number 7 overall. Taylor Hendricks out of Central Florida. Plus 250 on that. And By the way, what are the odds? Like, if you go to any of the apps, are they even taking wagers on who's going to go first overall? I thought I saw yesterday, if you bet $24 on Webb and Yama... To go number one overall, you got a penny. Are you serious? I believe that was correct. So $24 bet for $24.01. You're not kidding, man. Look at this. Like, Yeah, if I put 20, 20 bucks down right now, I, I get four cents. Oh, wow. <laughs> Good return on your investment there, Minus 50000 I mean, it, you might and as well. And then Brandon like- Miller's been the new guy at two, right? It seems like Brandon Miller's now the favorite. Uh, Scoot Henderson's still the favorite. Really? I thought I saw Brandon Miller. Oh, was... I'm sorry. That's for number one overall. Yeah, Brandon Miller's the favorite at number two. Well, Scoot's not the favorite for one overall. No, no, no. Webb and Yama is, but Scoot is still listed as the second got favorite it, got number it. one overall. But number two overall is Brandon Miller Correct. to Charlotte? Uh-huh. Minus 650. You know, obviously Cam Whitmore, the Thompson brothers, those are a couple of names that you throw in there. With, with Whitmore, I think there's a lot of talent. To me, it's just he's too similar to Benedict Matherin. And trust me, I know there's a section of the fan base that says... Screw the idea of best fit. You need to continue to take best player available. This is You're not going to be drafting in the top 10, you would hope, for the next decade. You need to take the biggest swings possible considering where you're at in this draft. I, I hear people on that. I still think it's best fit, and the defense is just so poor right now. It's so poor, and that's the route that you have to take. And obviously another thing over the next 12 hours, continue to monitor trade talks because i i'd be willing to bet the pacers are one of the more active teams right now fielding calls and making calls given now, everything they now have. wait a minute if you put down 10 bucks for brandon miller to go number one overall you win a thousand bucks if he was 
like isn't that worth what 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 if like on the way there Victor Webb and Miyama decides you know what I I don't I saw Pee Wee's Big Adventure and I don't like the Alamo so I, I'm not gonna play there I'm holding out so you think the odds should be greater or smaller no I'm saying like isn't it worth like throw a buck down to win a hundred bucks eh, okay why not yeah it just seems like you're flushing a dollar that's down probably the where you need to call one eight hundred nine with it right yeah yeah probably fair. Uh, Scott Agnes going to join us coming to the top there. Not only chat with him about tonight's draft, but again, a big announcement yesterday in regards to the All-Star game. There will be some activities over at Lucas Oil Stadium. More people in the building, less money for tickets. To me, it seems to be a win for the Saturday night of All-Star weekend coming up in February. That would be the dunk contest, the three-point contest, and the skills competition. So we'll talk with Scott more about that coming up around 9. Uh, let's hit a morning check down. The morning check down. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't look now, but here come the Red Legs. Yeah, baby. 11 in a row for the Red Legs. The Big Red Machine did not accomplish that. You've got to go back to, is it 57 or 67? Uh, 57. 57. For the last time, the Reds have won 11 in a row. In true Reds fashion, yesterday was not some walk in the park by any means. They got down 3 nothing. It was 3-3 in the 8th. Jake Fairley hit a two-run shot. They win the day game. They complete yet another sweep. I think that's three in a row on that front. They've got a well-deserved day off there as they are now 40 and 35 on the year and leading the AFC South of divisions, the NL Central. Uh, elsewhere in Major League Baseball yesterday, Orioles on the short end. Rays beat them 7-2. It was the Cubs 8-3 over the Pirates. Diamondbacks 5-1 over the Brewers and the Nationals beating the Cardinals 3-0. Mark, I feel like the Cubs are playing you know, much better baseball here. They swept the Pirates for the second time in a row and they, and they took a 2 out of 3 against the uh, the Orioles. So yeah. Doing well. Two Doing out of three is what you've got to win to advance in the College World Series. Tonight, it is a winner-take-all to advance. Wake Forest in Louisiana State. Florida awaits Florida yesterday eliminating Texas Christian. But again, kudos to TCU for the way they handled the Indiana yeah. State situation. Outstanding and the money they raised for Special Olympics. Yeah, tonight supposedly is a great pitching matchup. LSU won last night to extend it to tonight. Uh, and then either them or Wake Forest will advance to take on Florida. Uh, I guess top 15 MLB prospects on the mound for Wake Forest tonight and LSU. Outside of the NBA draft, the other thing from a local standpoint tonight will be the Fever. They are in action out west. They've got Seattle coming up at 10 o'clock. I believe that's available on Prime Video. If you're look- By that point, we'll be, I don't know if we'll be into the second round, but uh, we'll certainly be a little bit later into the first round here with the NBA draft. By the way, somebody just sent me their their little wager ticket. Um they bet $59.05 on Victor Webb and Yama going number 1 overall. They will win 19 or no, 29 cents. Oh boy, that's a little risky. <laughs> Take the wife and kids out to dinner? Uh-huh. Oh yeah. They could go to Take them to Paris Disneyland. That's right. Pacini's maybe after the commercial that that I think is sounds unbelievable. That's oh, a great jingle. You don't forget it, do you? You don't forget it. That's the point. You know what I always say during the Super Bowl commercials? The next day, people are like, oh, the best Super Bowl commercial by far was the one where the guy, da, da, da. And you're like, what was the product for? Oh, I can't remember, but it was hilarious. It was so awesome. But what was it? For? What were they advertising? I don't remember, but it was it was so cool. 
Okay, well then that's the worst commercial ever made. It's like the cheesier, the more annoying, the better. Yeah. At least from a brand standpoint. Uh, on the other side, we've got an official date for that Purdue-Alabama game in Canada. Uh, we'll talk about that and continue to preview tonight's NBA draft. Kevin Aquari here on a Thursday. Jake, yesterday, uh, Purdue announced... Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The date for their matchup with Alabama coming up up in uh, Toronto this year. It'll be December 9th. Uh, so Zach Eady, obviously a chance to play in his home country. This Purdue non-conference schedule this year. They are in the Maui tournament. And listen to the Maui field. Gonzaga, Kansas, Marquette, Purdue, Syracuse, Tennessee, UCLA, Shamana. Weren't those those first seven teams I listed, weren't they all like top, I mean, I guess outside of Syracuse, like top three seeds last year? Yeah. So that's the Maui. I mean. So you'll get three games there. And then they've got Alabama on December 9th in Toronto. The following Saturday, we saw the announcement, I think it was last week, of them playing Arizona here in Indy at what is that new Hoosier Classic. used to be the Crossroads Classic. Purdue is upgraded from Davidson to Arizona. That Davidson game was kind of a battle last year. Uh, That's a really good, strong, non-conference schedule. It kind of got me thinking back to... I remember we had Dane Fife on. I think it was right after Purdue lost to Fairleigh Dickinson. And he was chatting a little bit about why at Michigan State they seem to have so much success in the tournament. They obviously had good regular season success as well, but the tournament, of course, has been where Tom Izzo has really thrived. And I remember Dane telling us how Izzo's goal in the non-conference schedule was to play a team from every major conference. So you kind of got a feel of, okay, this is what the ACC is like. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the Big 12's like. You look at Purdue's schedule this year, it's got a lot of that in Alabama and Arizona, of course. And then, you know, just by luck of the draw, luck of the bracket, you're going to play three teams uh, that are in various parts of the country, various conferences uh, coming up in the Maui as well. So, again, I don't know if that all of a sudden, oh, that means they're going to beat the mid major come in March. I don't know, but it, it certainly is a challenging and notable non-conference schedule. The one thing I've always felt, I've said this before, you know, if I was the head of a college basketball program, Indiana, Purdue, whatever it might be, I would just pick probably one or two middle tier of Power 5 conference schools and do a home-and-home with them each year. You know, like a – give me a conference, top of your head, Kevin. Uh, The Big East. The Big East. So, like – you know, when you think of the, I'm trying to think who would be like just a mid tier team in the Big East, like a solid team, but Providence. Not, yeah, Providence, perfect. Hey, let's do a home and home with Providence. Let's do a home and home with Oklahoma State. You know, with even for that matter, Arizona State. You know, whatever. Just to get. Did you that there? No, you said, you said Arizona State. I'd sign up for that. <laughs> Would you get lost with the extracurriculars while you're in? I'd be riding the bench, but I'd have something. Have to look we at. checked on the Dyketon curfew here? That's right. But you get what I'm saying, though, right? Yeah. Just, just to me, that just adds more value. I get it. You want to be able to also 
play, you know, your Hoosier classics to be able to get some of your the, further down your bench some minutes and rep and, and build some depth. I get that, but I just think there's a lot of value in in those games, and and you don't necessarily you shouldn't have to go play in tournaments in order to acquire them. I I am a fan of the you know the, the home floor home and homes. Like I love that Indiana and Kansas did what they did last year and now it's going to be an assembly hall this year like that to me is yeah. awesome um indiana's non-conference they obviously have that kansas game at assembly hall they will play auburn in atlanta i mean georgia has turned into a bit of a hotbed for mike woodson from a recruiting standpoint um so they're going to play auburn bruce pearl down there uh their indie game Remember last year they played i think it was miami ohio they played at banker's life they're going to play harvard this year at Banker's Life, and then they've got a neutral site. I, I guess it's a tournament. Uh, it's a four-team deal: Louisville, Texas, UConn. Those are the three other teams. Insert your jokes about how bad Louisville was at basketball last season. I wouldn't mind the Pacers getting that Andre Jackson from UConn tonight. Maybe at twenty-six. I'll tell you the, the kid he can't from, shoot, but the, he can pl- make a whole lot of winning plays. The, the, the kid from Utah, or excuse me, from UConn that that I'm intrigued by in this draft is the Hawkins kid. Yeah, Jordan Hawkins. Yeah, he's probably I, I what mean, late lottery. Yeah, probably mid teens, right? I mean, but his ability to shoot just off the curl, and and, and I mean, he has. This is probably a stretch. At his, you know, ceiling, if you will, he he has like Reggie Miller slash Clay Thompson look about him. I, yeah. I'm not saying he's that level player, but you know, that dude would be sprinting off screens, and I'd be like, "Gosh, he looks out of control!" And then boom, all of a sudden he catches. His form was beautiful, and, and he's a lightning in a bottle guy, right? Yeah. Well, he gets hot, and it's like, "Holy cow!" Without without a doubt, Greg points out, you know, Purdue's non non conference last year. Yes, West Virginia, Duke, Gonzaga, Florida State. I. And Marquette, yeah. Purdue is, I think, pretty annually played a good non-conference schedule. You know, you continue to challenge yourself against those teams. And, you know, I've said this numerous times about Purdue. Certainly you need some tweaks roster-wise. And, you know, we'll see an injection of a Miles Colvin. What does he do? He's on the U19 U.S. team. Uh, clearly they think very highly of him and his athleticism. And, and that will be something that I think will be welcome at Purdue, even though at times probably with Heritage Christian, you were like, oh, man, uh, are they not winning a little bit more? Darts at the dartboard. I think if you continue to challenge yourself in the non-conference, tweak some things, particularly athletically with your roster, I think eventually it's going to fall your way and you're going to make a run. By the way, in terms of the NBA draft, Kevin, if you were a GM, what's the magic line of where you transition from Got like honed in on player versus flyer. Like if you're going to take a flyer on a guy, if you're if you're going to say like th- this has boomer bust potential, what's the you need to be beyond what pick in the draft where you then feel like okay I'm not bypassing on a sure thing now. Yeah, that's a great question. Boy, I think so much of it depends on where you're at as a franchise and as an organization. Like, do you think that you're just a piece away? Do you view yourself in the light of, hey, we've got a log jam here and we feel really good. I don't think a rookie's going to impact 
our group were, were willing to take a bit of a flyer? Um, that's a good question. I, I don't know if there's like a a specific kind of threshold of a number wise. You know, this obviously looks idiotic looking back on it, but you know, when the Pacers drafted Goga, there was a part of me that's like, oh, I I understand what the Pacers are thinking here now. They drafted Goga and then didn't move Sabonis or Turner for a couple of years, and it's like, okay, you're never going to get into true evaluation on Goga. Like, you have all these centers, and what are you, what are you thinking here? Like, at some point, if you're going to make a selection like that, you've got to properly evaluate him. And honestly, and we don't need to go down this path. If you look at when Goga has gotten kind of a small run in the NBA, there's been some moments where it's like, oh wow, he's averaging like 14 and eight in 20 minutes of action. Where I thought the Goga pick was at least interesting, it was at a time where Giannis and Jokic, and I guess to a degree Embiid, were all starting to emerge as like, oh wow, these are the best players in the NBA right now. And the international angle, Jake, I think is one that teams are going to continue to try and fall in love with, particularly smaller market teams. Because what have we seen? Embiid? Been a sixer the whole time. Giannis, been a buck the whole time. Jokic, been a nugget the whole time. I think you have less volatility with the international players wanting to move. Correct, because they were not reared in the AAU. Right. And, and that's. Or, or even, I think you throw AAU, I think you throw in, there is that element too of the Team USA stuff. Hey, I played with these dudes on the U17, U19 yeah, team. I, I want to team up with them. Kevin, I have long said. LeBron James and and his era of player walked through a door that there's no going back through. And this is not a a knock at all. I'm probably a LeBron defender for the most part. But for those that that are unaware, and I think most people now know with travel ball, especially baseball in particular, but travel basketball, etc., the way that it works in AAU is you you play for the Indy Runners, and you get beat by the Circle City Sizzlers. And the Circle City Sizzlers, when they beat you, are like, yeah, but that guy was really good for the Indy Runners. Like, we beat him, but he's really good. So they go to you and they say, hey, do you want to actually play with us now? Because we're on our way to regionals. So now you're playing for the Sizzlers when you were on the runners before, but they defeated you, so you go and the Sizzlers pick you up. And you're playing like 100 games a summer, and if you lose in a big matchup, no worries. I got another game tomorrow. No worries. We got two more later this afternoon. So not only is the 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 pain of losing diluted out a little bit, but also the the vagabond nature as a player is instilled in you in normalcy at a younger age in the American culture of of summer basketball. And you now have, like, the LeBron, Carmelo, and that era to now is the first generation of players with increase each and every year of players whose evaluation is taking place based on their summer play versus their high school play. So it is almost more important for them to play well for the City Sizzlers or the Indy Runners than it is to play for Pike or Lawrence North or North Central. And... And so it is a different mentality once they get into the NBA. I have always said when LeBron and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and the dream team of that and people had a problem with it and whatever else, I'm like, that team was put together during like a, a, 
a Nike All-American camp in a dorm somewhere 10 years prior where they were sitting around and they're like, man, we get to the league, like we should, we should, we could do some things. Let's get, let's try to play together in the league. And I would guess, I don't know this, but I would guess that Michael Jordan had never met Scottie Pippen until the day that they were partners on the Chicago Bulls or around that time. I would guess that Reggie Miller and John Starks probably never met one another. And whereas today, the stars of the NBA, you know, Jamal Murray and Devin Booker, bad example, same college, but you got to say, and, and whatever players that are young players in the NBA probably have, have cross pollinated through AAU circuits a million times by the time they get to the league. And so the rivalry aspect of it is diluted a little bit, but the loyalty aspect of it absolutely is. And I think that long winded and circuitously here, the point that I'm agreeing with you on is I do think that teams are intrigued by European players whose mentalities have not been impacted or influenced by all of those circumstances. And I think it just it matters a little bit more in a market like this where you know it's going to be more difficult to attract free agents. And, and that's why, again, obviously Goga did not work out and you had a log jam there and for myriad of reasons but that sort of thinking i feel like for teams like indiana makes a little bit more sense um but you know it, it goes back to this time last year i mean obviously you if you rewind 365 days i was standing on a table for benedict matherin i don't know if i'm that way about any of these guys right now but to me jaris walker out of houston taylor hendricks out of central florida those two stand out and i can hear arguments on either side hendricks you probably don't worry about him as much as a ability to stretch the floor on that end. Walker, it's maybe a little bit more interchangeable on the defensive end and maybe a better rebounder for you. But again, is he going to become a consistent shooter or is it more of a liability of like a... You know, at times I felt that way about Thad Young. It's like, do teams need to run out on Thad Young? Like, is he a shooter or is he not? Uh, that would probably be a question that you would have with a guy like Walker. But both of them, in different ways, they bring a defensive mindset. And we've watched this team play way too much basketball over the past few years where their defense is just horrific. But By the way, uh, did we just get over – do you remember that time we were doing the show and all of a sudden all three of us almost passed out from like a, a weird kerosene smell? Do you remember that? Yeah. It was like, what, like probably six six months ago or so? Am I the only one that all of a sudden just got hit with a, a very pleasant aroma of like a coconut, pineapple, pineapple smell? I'm not getting any kind of whiff of that over here. I'm not. I thought I smelled bacon when I walked off the elevator this morning, and you want to talk about a kick in the you-know-what when you realized <laughs> it was not bacon. Yeah, Who here would be making bacon before we get here? It ain't going to be the two of us, right? I didn't know if Sean Copeland was cooking something up, you know, down here. Sean's always cooking something up. Uh, all right, Scott. That's why his show's so popular. Coming up in 15 minutes. Again, the big news yesterday, non-Pacers trading for a future first-round pick. The All-Star Game. We've got some clarity on what activities are going to look like coming up in February. Lucas Oil Stadium will be involved, and I think fans will be thrilled to hear about the number of people allowed and the price point inside of Lucas Oil Stadium coming up for the three-point contest, the dunk contest in February. We'll do that here in about 15. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Get a Mike Woodson sighting tonight, Jake, in the green room with Jalen Hood-Shafino. 
It'd be wise. I remember the. I have always said the year that Oladipo and Zeller were both taken in the lottery. The first coach to shake their hand, if I'm not mistaken, when their name was called, was John Calipari, who made a living being in the green room or near it during the NBA draft. And it was like, man, a lot of Kentucky players going, a lot of Kentucky players going, and they just kept loading up with those players, right? Was it two and four? Is that where Oladipo and Zeller went? Correct. Gosh, that is so high. We'll you know, see the, tonight because we looked it up. Um, that is the last time we have seen two Indiana players going round one. The Oladipo Zeller. Was it uh, Ananobi and Thomas Bryant? That uh, was a first rounder and then a second rounder. Correct. In that draft. We have not had that very often. And, and that, I mean, that goes back multiple decades now of two Indiana players in round one. Obviously, Hood Shufino will be a round one pick. We'll see if Trace Jackson Davis that, sneaks in there. That 2013 NBA draft, Zeller went fourth. Who were the players that they passed on to take Cody Zeller? Because that's what you look at, right? You go, wow, to take him fourth, that seems like a stretch. And then you look at it and you go, yeah, but but who was – now, Giannis was 15th in that draft. Let me read you the names of the players that were selected before Giannis. Anthony Bennett was the number one overall pick in the draft. This draft is absolutely awful. Oladipo was second. Otto Porter, Cody Zeller, Alex Lynn, Nerlens Noel, Ben McLemore, <sighs> Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Trey Burke, C.J. McCollum, Michael Carter-Williams, Stephen Adams, Kelly Alenic, Shabazz Muhammad, Giannis. I mean, that's, that's frightening. Obviously, McCollum, very good player. Giannis speaks for himself. Steven Adams, very nice career. He's a good player. Gosh, the whole draft. A Plumley. I, I mean, the guy that went one pick after Giannis. Oh, Rudy Gobert at 27. <laughs> yeah, that's an ugly one. That's a really ugly one. Um, we're going to talk to Scott Agnes in a few minutes about this, but I thought I really see very little questions or flaws with this announcement yesterday here locally from the NBA All-Star Committee. So the NBA All-Star Game is going to be here at Gamebridge Fieldhouse coming up in February. Um, So what you typically get used to with the All-Star Game in an an NBA arena, easy for me to say, uh, will still be the same. Sunday night, uh, February 18th. The Saturday night activities, though, with the dunk contest, the skills competition, the three-point contest, those activities are going to be over at Lucas Oil Stadium. What I like about that is you get attendance to increase from seventeen or 18,000 at Gainbridge to 35,000 over at Lucas Oil. So you're going to get more people in the seats over there to experience All-Star Weekend in person. And the price point on these tickets range from $24 to $79. And us in Indiana... We get first dibs on 10,500 tickets. Those will go on sale July 24th just to those people here in the state of Indiana from a appeal to the local market, a price point standpoint, and just a sheer number. Yeah, the sight lines in there, they're not going to be ideal for those that have been to Final Four or Sweet 16 Elite 8 games. You know, Every seat in the house isn't a great seat. But if you want to experience it and say that you've been there, I mean, hell, forty. Imagine spending forty nine bucks on an NBA game. Yeah, 
49 bucks an NBA game, you're up in the nosebleeds. The the other thing, as I mentioned earlier, this is the opposite of the way it was in 85 when the NBA All-Star game was here. That particular weekend, all of the festivities took place at Market Square Arena, then the game itself at the Hoosier Dome. Now, opposite. Festivities, dome, game itself, Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Um, my assumption, Kevin, as I mentioned earlier, is that part of the reason why it would be in the NBA arena as opposed to kind of how they used to do it in yesteryear of the big, huge dome stadiums is probably contractual advertising, signage, etc., to benefit those corporations that are partnered with the Indiana Pacers and the NBA in that particular building. If they sell really well, do you think they could expand the seating? Probably, like, because I mean, you're also going to get not people just from Indiana, but from Illinois, Ohio, yeah, Michigan might only, come down. The only issue is you get some really bad sight lines. That's true, but you you're in the knock, end zone. You can knock prices down even more then yeah it sounds like based off the rendering that i saw yesterday is you're gonna have that curtain up on one side obviously the side that extends to the rest of the football field and on the other side of that curtain will be some concerts so exactly how all that looks i think will be interesting to see a couple other items to note uh 2400 i think i have that number right 2400 tickets um, will be purchased by the host committee and they will be distributed to nonprofits and community organizations. So I'd love to see that. Uh, and also, from a transportation standpoint, uh, it says thanks in part to support from the Indianapolis Foundation and donors to the championship fund. Indigo bus rides will be free throughout All Star Weekend. And I thought I saw that the Pacers bike shares will be free. Now, in February, I don't know if riding a bike is what you yeah. want to be doing, but kind of a cool gesture there from a. Um, transportation standpoint. How much does Jim Irsay love this? Oh, that's a good point, yeah. 40% of every non-football-related event, 40% of every dollar goes to the Colts as part of the lease agreement with Lucas Oil Stadium. So the Colts cashing in on that, baby. Yeah, because at first I was thinking, boy, this would have taken some agreement from Lucas Oil and the Colts, and then Jim Irsay's probably like, oh, 35000 in there on a February Saturday night? Hell yeah. Proud and proud. That's right. Rare air, right, to have an all-star event there <laughs> inside. Mm-hmm. We'll, you know, we'll see. The, the period is the best part there, I mean, by the way. Alex Pierce in the celebrity game. You know? <laughs> Just blast them all off. Oh. Wow. Okay. <laughs> we got a meeting But Gilmore's in Dallas right now, Mark. He is. I'm sure he's still sharing a seat, maybe. You know, Gilmore and you know Jerry Jones can share. More on. <laughs> Sorry, Jerry. More on that. More on tonight's NBA draft. Scott Agnes mentioned yesterday when the news was reported of the Pacers trading for a 2024 first round pick that he had a feeling that this would maybe be just the start of some things. We'll talk with Scott about that here on the other side. Kevin Aquari, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
Nine o'clock hour is underway. Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here. It is NBA Draft Day, as you just heard us talking about. Joining us now on the Payless Sickers Hotline to talk about uh, exactly that. Kevin, should we just go ahead right away and ask him to, to tell us who the Pacers are going to take seven? Oh, I'm sure Scott Agnes loves questions like this. Uh, all right, Scott. Yeah, might as well. We're going to ask you at some point. Uh, the pick at number seven will be who? Or will they make I a pick I at knew, seven? But yeah, I wish I knew and I just quit my job and uh, moved <laughs> to Vegas or something. I'm disappointed I didn't get the intro from Jake, but I'll say it's Jarris Walkers. I'm staying with him from several weeks ago. Okay. I'm I'm flattered that you're disappointed you didn't get it from me, but um, now yeah, I, I I did want to ask you did a mock draft correct with other you know beat writers around the league. Yeah, yeah, Dan Wilkie of LA Times okay. had had one beat writer pick everyone in the first round, and you did take Walker at seven. I really like the Andre Jackson pick that you made, and I know this was pre the the Denver trade. Could you let us know who else was on the board when you took Walker at seven? Uh, I, I think it was Taylor Hendricks. I think was so you went Walker or, over over Hendricks. I, I did do that one okay. in particular. A- yeah, any particular reason why that? I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of the majority of people, but there certainly are some people out there that uh, would like to see Hendricks over Walker. W- what made you go with Walker over him? Yeah, so KB, I think Jarris is just more ready made to 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 step right in. He's got a bigger build to him. Uh, like Taylor Hendricks is much kind of like Paul George doesn't have an ounce of bad body fat on him at all. So I, I'm really trying to shore up the three more so the four spot um, Walker's vers- versatility defensively, really just his defense in general. I, I think he's he's one of those that will he's kind of a quiet assassin from what I see. He's not like a, a Kevin Garnett or Draymond Green that's going to scream in your face and make sure you make sure you know he's there. He's just going to go block your shot three times. Um, I, I just really like all aspects of his game. The one area really that really separates Hendricks from him is more so his outside shooting. But I don't. It's not something that I don't think can't be there for Walker. It's just not something he's done a, a, a lot or at a very high level. But overall, to me, Jarris is the is the better player. Hendricks is just coming off a, a really impressive surge at UCF this past year. Um, and and I'm also a little bit skeptical of something like that in general. After one big surge, is there something more there, um, or, or what's next? But Walker's been my guy, so I'm going to stay with him. Do you think there's any chance? And by the way, there's a little bit more on Malcolm Brogdon in that trade that did not mm-hmm. go. That was that we'll get to here in a second, Scott. That just came out. But do you think there's any chance that the only player I, I, I would tend to agree with those names that we're talking about? I don't know why I feel this way. I really don't. But I have this weird feeling that Grady Dick may be more in play with Indiana or more intriguing to them than than we might think. Only because of his – I think he, he shot the ball really well and, and they were intrigued by that. Is there any chance they would reach that far, Scott? I just don't see it, Jake. Not at seven. I agree he would be a tremendous add to this team or others, but – I see him more at 10, 11, 12, kind of like we were talking last year, right? If if the Pacers were able to obtain a second pick, 
then maybe something like Grady Dick makes a ton of sense because Rick Carlisle can't have enough shooters. We know how much that means to him. Grady Dick, the best shooter in this draft, over 40% from three last year, and he does a lot more than that. I know he gets pigeonholed as the shooter, but I still believe, yeah, that would be a reach at seven. And Scott Agnes with us, Fieldhouse Files. He'll have your draft coverage deep into this Thursday night. Scott, you mentioned something yesterday when the Denver trade went down. Again, the Pacers are getting a first-rounder next year. In your tweet, you had said they are not done yet. Uh, care to explain? Or expand, I, yeah, I guess? I just, I, yeah, I just mean in general. It's nothing specific or something I know or am teasing by any means. It's just they probably have at least one more pick than they want here. And on top of that, we know they're going to have to, they're probably going to make some changes to the current roster, whether it be center, whether it be at shooting guard. So this team's going to be active here over the next week. They already have over the last 10 days or so. I think going back to like last Monday in terms of starting to field calls and make more calls to kind of establish and figure out the value of the seventh pick in the others. And so in completing that deal, I think that's just kind of this first domino to what is a very important Pacers offseason. I was a I was a fan of this. I mean, again, to your point, you, you had a log jam of picks. You didn't have room to make five selections and have spots on your roster for all of these guys. And I just look at it as some point down the road, you hope to be in a position as a franchise to where you're doing the – and again, I, I know this is not a great example, but – at the time, you thought you were upgrading your roster. You're doing the Evan Turner. You're you're doing the you know Andrew Bynum type of move. Mm-hmm. You know Boston and Cleveland did it with you and Karis LeVert and Malcolm Brogdon, where they traded picks for players. You know at some point you're going to be a top five six team in the East and having you know multiple first round picks for next year to potentially try and do that, or maybe you're not in that position next year and you you know package those two and move up. You know, higher into round one come next June. To me, keeping that optionality to steal a word from Kevin Pritchard, I think makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and just having additional trade assets. And we don't know the range of the pick, of course, for next year. It's just important uh, to emphasize that it is not Denver's pick because we know that one almost assuredly would be right, like 28, 29, 30. So it's like, all right, why do the deal? Well, after more learn, more. Uh, discovery here after that trade well it's it's actually the worst of of other teams is there's four different teams involved and probably be the clippers pick and maybe you project them to have the 20th pick again type thing next year um maybe slightly worse if they have better health so you're looking at 23 but more than anything i think this is just spacing out those picks and so you're not bringing in five rookies or even three first-round pick rookies at the same time when already I think the Pacers are content with their youth outside of maybe adding the number seven pick. Then it's about adding uh, one veteran because we know their veterans and George Hill and James Johnson um, are both free agents this year and then shoring up on the wing spot. And I think I do expect just for how much they are talking to other teams about a wing, there are and the number of wings on the market and the lack of a true good market for free agency, I do expect them uh, in the next week to to really get in on a, a player via trade. I think that's also that's that's in large part why I said, and they're not done yet. Scott Agnes is our guest on the Payless Circus Hotline. Scott, obviously, I did not hear this because it was during the time that we've been on the air, but I'm reading it. Uh, this apparently was said by Brian Winhorst, who I think is you know pretty knowledgeable and I don't because based on where this was sent out I believe that he did say this 
Quote, Brogdon, talking about Malcolm, Malcolm Brogdon, Brogdon has a health issue, a health issue that, as I understand, is so significant that not only can the Celtics not do this trade, there's probably no Malcolm Brogdon trade that they can do in the short term. End quote. Um, would that be just part of, do you believe, like some of the injuries he's had with the Pacers, or is there just no way to know that at this point? Yeah, first of all, I, I trust Wendy. He's one of the most plugged in there is in the NBA. And uh, in terms of, I, I don't have knowledge of what it is, but I would guess it, Malcolm's body has just been so beat up with, with notable injuries and things I had never even heard of. Part of what he and the other players of the last three or four years when the Pacers are really down on injuries took me through is learning these new injuries. And he had like a right abductor. It was like a right hip muscle tear. Well, I would guess it's something like that that either he played through or was less significant to them than maybe one of these other teams had thought. Um, But very likely than not, stuff like that, they try to keep mum just because if they do want to trade him. But that that would absolutely come up in a physical that he must pass for a trade to go through. Yeah, anytime you see a news item kind of like that, I I don't know if it – you know, kind of spurs the same memories, but I do think about the Carousel Vert thing, Scott, from a couple of years ago. Was that was sure. it was it a tumor in his kidney? Was that correct? That's right, and only discovered because the Pacers took X-rays and MRIs leading to the physical. And it's something not every team does. That's not mandatory. Having a physical is, but doing extensive tests like that, they did one on his back. Um, so who knows how long he had had that tumor, and ultimately they had to remove that kidney and and. Not just presumably, they, pre- they they saved his life. Scott, I was hoping you could share some thoughts. And again, Fieldhouse Files for Scott Agnes. Share some thoughts on your experience out in Utah last year for the All-Star Game. We saw the announcement yesterday. I, I'm, not, I'm a big fan of the fact that they'll be at Lucas Oil on Saturday night. You get more people in the building. Uh, ticket prices seem to be very manageable for us here in Indy. The first third of those 35,000 tickets are going to go on sale next month, so we'll get an opportunity to get first dibs on them. I mean, that, that, that checks a lot of boxes for me. How would you compare the setup on paper here in Indianapolis to your experience in Salt Lake City? Yeah, so I, I think two A's that are really big in this are kind of affordability and availability. And those are things that are, aren't usually the case with massive events like this, right? If you were trying to go to Indy Super Bowl, I would have loved to go. It would have been several thousand dollars. Good luck. Um, if you're trying to go to the All-Star Game on Sunday, I'm sure it's a four-digit ticket at least. And one of the big hesitations the Pacers and other franchise have in hosting events like this is upsetting their season ticket holders and locals in that they, they can't really attend these games. The NBA mostly runs these events. And so they come in and run it. And so uh, that's a challenge for Indy and other cities. So I like this move, even if um, from a basketball standpoint, no, I don't want to sit on the sixth level and, and watch the guys through binoculars. Like, but I can attend. I can be part of it. It might be the only time so many are able to attend events like this. Now, at uh, Salt Lake City this past year, um, this was, was all ha- held at their basketball arena, which is Vivint Arena. It will soon be the Delta Center once more. And so think about trimming the attendance number by probably at least 1,000 for other reasons, a stage, TNT set, some hospitality, probably by another thousand or two for the media and international media that come in. So you're only looking at like 14,000 seats is my rough estimate of the true capacity for events like this. And so now to beef it up to 35,000 
and tickets aren't outrageous, starting at like $29. So I, I thought this was a win-win for Pacers, the host committee, uh, the city, and really locals who want to just take part. We, we had that Super Bowl village. In large part, there will be a fan fest as well as this Saturday night event that they're going to really try to make about Indy and, and people in town that can attend the event. Scott, we were doing a um, our own kind of draft lottery. Okay. You could pick one of these words, and then every time it's used on the television broadcast in the first round, you get a buck. Okay? Your options are long. So it's not take a shot. You said it was a drinking game. Well, earlier. I think if it was a drinking game, we wouldn't we wouldn't make it past. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. Uh, long, upside, quickness, raw, wingspan, high motor, high IQ, athletic. Which one would you take? I think upside would be the number one pick for me of that group. Mm-hmm. A lot of these get – well, yeah, because every player they're going to say they have – okay, what about this? Uh, floor ceiling. Would you take that over upside? No, I would not take that over upside. Okay, I'm going to go with long. Yeah, you get a Jay Bills. The next one would be wingspan. Wingspans are huge, and obviously, uh, pun intended there. But that, that's something that teams and, and scouts really are paying attention to. So I think wingspan would be my second. Get a Billis bingo card going for tonight and, and, and the coverage <laughs> and of the draft. And throw basketball IQ in there for, for third. Sure. Uh, Scott, last one for me. I want to go back to the All-Star weekend, and I don't think you, you, you mentioned this. So... Y- you're guessing around 14,000 for Sunday for the actual All-Star game back at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, is that right? Yeah, that'd be my rough guess. Okay. I was thinking about that yesterday, yeah. How do those tickets get distributed? Again, to me it's going to be a much pricier ticket, but like will a section of those be available for the community at all or is that much more of a corporate feel and maybe they, I don't know, do they give 100 to each team? I have no idea how tickets get divided for the All-Star game. Yeah, my understanding, Kevin, is that that's all that's all NBA. So it's NBA, league officials, it's other, it's it's teams, it's really league partners more than anything. Um, and and so that's they come in and will kind of run that show. Um, that's why the Pacers is able to move Saturday night opens it up to a whole new audience. Whereas, I mean, I know so many Pacers season ticket holders that are six months out already concerned they're not sure they're going to even be able to attend sunday's event and, and yeah that's that's the concern i'm not sure if they're going to even be even have access to pay thousands of dollars for that ticket that's why this is so important so if you have a suite for the pacers season you do not have a suite for all-star game great question i'm not a hundred percent sure but i'll go back to what i believe nba completely comes in and takes over got it Okay, to put a bow tie on all of it, Scott. Scott Agnes, Payless Liquors Hotline, our guest. Three picks for the Pacers tonight. Do you believe, so two-part question. The first is? Four. They got four. Um, they got seven, 26, and 50, right? A 40. They, they oh, that's right. They picked up the Denver 40. Yesterday. Right, right, right. Yep. And 55. 55. So do they stay with those four? Seven, 26, 40, 55. Do they stay there, or is there still movement left to go? And I guess you answered the other one, which is you know Walker going with the first one in your opinion. Yeah, I would I would say it's more likely than not that they get involved in another another deal of some kind, whether it's packaging several of the picks to move up some spots and go get a guy that they're feeling very good about um, or whatever. Again, I don't think they need four picks 
at that. And so uh, I, I would I would more likely than not expect for a trade to go down. And then, yeah, in, in terms of my pick, I'm staying with power forward Jarris Walker from Houston. Does Trace Jackson Davis get discussed within the war room? And is it possible that he ends up with, like, let's say four? I don't think he'll be there at 40, but if he if he is – does he is there a chance he ends up here yeah i think so i I think he's a he would be an excellent pick at 40 it's it's really i i thought he might be the an option at 32 but now that you don't have that 26 is very early for me that's Uh, right about the time i think his name i told kevin when they have that list on the right hand side of best player available i think right around 26 is when his name starts showing up at the bottom of that list right and that's fair because I, I think anywhere from 24 to 40. I think that's kind of Sacramento's at 24. They were very high on him, really liked his workout, could like him next to or, or behind the lineup and, and Sabonis and playing the three and four spot. So, yeah, I agree with that. For the Pacers in particular, though, I felt he was more 30 to 35. I would have been content with taking him if he was available then. Over under three and a half cups of coffee today, Scott. Oh, over. Absolutely. Is that a daily over, or is it just a special occasion for tonight? No, I'm probably two to three plus each day, so um, I'll easily blow past the three and a half today. No problem. He's got a drip of dark roast at his house right now that he just <laughs> an literally IV. an iv just right by his bedside scott uh i know it was i guess somewhat of an early morning for you hopping on with us it's going to be a late night tonight good luck great work with your draft coverage and uh we'll be chatting with you next week about it all absolutely appreciate it guys as always scott Thanks. agnes field house files is he new to three tomorrow mark i probably should ask him he's been know. he's been filling in a little bit um more fun nfl draft or nba draft Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I think you go further. One. I think you go further in the NBA draft with players that people are overly familiar with. Oh, I would disagree. I think you go further NFL draft with that. I mean, you had like Stetson Bennett as a round four pick. Well, year. I mean, obviously there are, because there are more rounds and you get. But I'm saying like of the marquee players, like in the first round, I think there are more people. There are more players that go in the first round of the NBA draft that people saw. It's a little different now because of all the international stuff, admittedly, and the one and done. But you have players that people are like, yeah, I, because there's only five guys on the floor in a college game. And like through the NCAA tournament and things like that, people at least are familiar with them. Whereas unless it's a specialty position in the NFL, I mean, I don't know how many people are overly familiar with like a right guard from Florida that goes 18th overall to the Lions. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just like let's look at the first six or seven picks from tonight. Was Jarris Walker the only one that played in the NCAA tournament? I mean, Webb and Yama, no. I guess Brandon Miller. But I mean, yeah, Webb and Yama, Scoot Henderson, the Thompson brothers. No one has really seen Cam Whitmore. But Villanova people are familiar with them because they're. I mean, you've seen a million. Like, I, I don't know how to word what I'm saying. I think it's easier to, you know, you see highlights of the Thompson brothers and and Webamyama, and, and you automatically are from. It's easier to see what they do. Whereas, how many people? And I know people are going to claim that they can, but how many average Joe sports fans, when they see video of Notre Dame and Quentin Nelson, are like, "Oh, I can see it right there." You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I think. It is more like 
just basketball highlights in general, it's easier to become familiar with a guy. I think what I like about the NBA draft is honestly the pace of it. <laughs> well, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Know, and, and now I sound like an old man, but no, for sure. Five minutes for every pick in round one, two minutes in round two, and the other thing I really like. I love when they get the grainy international film. And here comes Fran Fraschilla onto the screen. What have I always said? Like, uh, yeah, he's two years away from being two years away. I- here, here's a guy that, that played basketball at the Tabernacle Gym in Croatia on a Zapruder film with a Voigt basketball. Jay, let me tell you, he averaged 6.3 points and 2.4 rebounds, but he's got a ton of potential. And then, lo and behold, the guy turns into Luka Doncic or something. Give me a year. This is one of my favorite things to do. Give me a year, 1998 to 2010. Uh, let's go to the year I graduated high school, 2008. The 2008 NBA draft, okay? Um, do we have the jingle, Mark? We'll, we'll do a reenactment here. The mayo plop. The, t- the 2008 NBA draft. Mark Dykton, you please give me number one through 30. 12. With the 12th pick in the 2008 NBA draft, the Sacramento Kings select Jason Thompson from Ryder University. I think the Mayo plop is perfect for that one. <laughs> Man, that, that did not go well. Now, when they selected Jason, they passed on Brandon Rush, who went next. Oh, hell yeah. Followed by Anthony Randolph, Robin Lupe, Lopez. Uh, Roy Hibbert was 17th. Jabal was 2008 McGee, 18th. all the point guards? Was that the Steph Curry draft? Um, no, he was 07, wasn't he? Was he? 08 was Derrick Rose, Michael Beasley, OJ Mayo. Uh, that one up in smoke. Russell Westbrook, Kevin Love, Danilo Gallinari. Danilo Gallinari wasn't a bad player. He got traded yesterday, right? He was a part of that three-teamer? Danilo? I think so. He's turned out to be a decent... I mean, again, not, not a franchise player, but a decent player. Eric Gordon was uh, seventh. How about Joe Alexander, eighth? Ooh, the West Virginia guy. Yeah. That's a decent draft. You said Love, Westbrook. I mean, Gordon, yeah. you know, turned out to be a fine NBA Okay, the 07 draft, that was the... That's the heavy point guard. Steph Curry was 09, by the way. 09. Oh, it's 09. Okay, okay, that was Rubio and Johnny Flynn and Steph that Curry. That was right? one of the great draft head-scratch moments of all time was Minnesota taking Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn back-to-back. Oh, Back to back with Steph on the board, right? Steph, Steph went seventh. <laughs> you imagine? I mean, I know hindsight is so twenty twenty. I did like Johnny Flynn's headband at Syracuse. Steph went seven, and then Jordan Hill, Demar Derozan, Brandon Jennings, Terrence Williams, Gerald Henderson. Jordan Hill, former Pacer. Tyler Hansborough, thirteenth. Someone texted me earlier comparing Trace Jackson Davis to Hansborough. Agree? Disagree? I think that's fair coming out of college because Hansborough was a guy that was thought to be somebody that had a really good, keen sense of where the basket was on the low block offensively. Certainly wasn't shooting threes. Correct. Couldn't step out. Um, Did what he did very, very well, but was limited in that area. And I think Jackson Davis has kind of seen that way, although I think he's starting to show a little more than perhaps Tyler Hansborough did coming out through the workout process. The funny thing about that draft, the Pacers got killed for it because they took Hansborough 13th and needed a point guard. And after that, 17th Drew Holiday, 18th Ty Lawson, 19th Jeff Teague, 21st Darren Collison. Gosh, where was Drew Holiday? Uh, 17, did I say? Oh, man. Mm-hmm. So you ended up having, here's what's funny about it. 
you passed on taking a point guard to take Tyler Hansborough. And then, within 10 picks, four point guards came off the board, three of which ended up playing for your franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lawson looked like a fullback at one point, late in his career. Yeah, yeah, I think, was it, I think Lawson had some Pearl issues. Pearl Street Pizza, maybe. <laughs> Have you had that Pearl Street pizza? Oh, very good. Yeah, not a bad place. Very good. Uh, can I, I? Great work by you. Uh, Max was crying last night around midnight. I roll over. I'm like, wow, Jake just sent the whole pop quiz. Yeah. Do you care if I throw in one question? No. Okay. Which one do we take out? Uh, it was heavy draft centric, correct? Correct. Okay. I will look at it here. How about you lead off the uh, the check down here, and I will uh, I will make one amendment to it. Okay. The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. It Let's wasn't a bad pop quiz. in one to tomorrow. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't a bad pop quiz, though, right? No, I thought it was very good. Yeah. Uh, break up the Cincinnati Redlegs. 11 straight bad, now. But here come the Redlegs. Longest streak for the Reds since 1957. They beat the Rockies yesterday 5 3. They- Someone did text me yesterday and said, if they win 20 in a row, will you go streaking around Monument Circle? You personally? Yeah. That I. Why is everyone wanting to take your clothes off? I think it was a female listener for what it's worth as well. <laughs> yeah, who was okay. the guy that called last week and said they wanted you like mowing the lawn in a thong or something? Yeah, were, I were did. Were you there for that I show? Know. Well, JMV asked me, he was like, are you uh, going to take your shirt off and... Uh, we're going to auction off you mowing your lawn shirtless. I think I think you were out on Friday and somebody called in and said, oh, I think Kevin should do it in a thong. I said, why are we taking clothes off of yeah, Kevin? What, what are we is this the Tiger Woods thong that wasn't purchased? I don't know, but I, I'm curious why everybody's so anxious for KB to be taking yeah. no, no parts shock. of clothes off. Mm-hmm. No shock there. <laughs> uh, Cubs over the Pirates, 8-3. It was the Tigers over the Royals yesterday. Diamondbacks did win for Mark. Oakland Athletics were losers, so too was cute fellow. <laughs> Uh, race for PBR. Uh, Indians home all weekend long. They split the doubleheader. 7.05 first pitch tonight over at Victory Field. Speaking of tonight, the College World Series. It's going to be LSU and Wake. The winner takes on Florida for the best of three series from Omaha. Great pitching matchup by all accounts tonight. Top 15 projected picks for LSU and Wake Forest on the mound from Omaha. So we are about to be down to two in the College World Series. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're just breaking them all out today, yeah. are you, Mark? Is that sure. Coach Dean? Uh-huh. <laughs> did, did we have the full rundown from him on that, by no, the way? No, no, I just had the... <laughs> the full rundown is pretty good. Uh, Fever is. got Seattle tonight. That's a 10 o'clock tip. Pacers got four picks. Again, it's been confusing, so we probably should uh, reconfirm this. 7, 26, 40, 55. Those are the selections for the Pacers. And again, they shipped out... Their 29th and 32nd pick tonight. Correct. To Denver. They get back Denver's 40th and a first rounder next year, which is attached to the performance of four different franchises and most likely is going to be somewhere in the 20s. It's a good way to explain it. Okay. If it was this year, they would, I think, have the 20th or 21st pick. Man, that'd be. So basically, they moved back eight spots and they moved up eight spots, which I guess cancel each other. And they gave themselves a little bit more. They gave themselves a year to figure out what to do with. A surplus of, of picks. Good work. I'm a fan of it. Mentioned it yesterday. Like to see what I saw yesterday afternoon by the Pacers. Um, all right. Uh, pop quiz time. 317-239-1070. Again, a slight amendment. Jake with a terrific pop quiz, but uh, we'll throw out number five. I'll toss one in here. 
to uh, end the pop quiz. Jiffy Lube oil change up for grabs. Give us a call for the pop quiz. In New Hampshire, Tom Harkin, we're going to South Carolina and Oklahoma and Arizona <laughs> and North Dakota and New Mexico. We're going to California. It's like a college and football Texas head coach on his recruiting trip. We're going to South Dakota and Oregon and Washington and Michigan. And then we're going to Washington, D.C. to take back the White House. (laughs) Sharpen your pencil. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. All right, Mark, we have callers lined up. That we do. I'm deep in draft research. One of my one of my questions on this is one of my favorite like trivia questions ever. Is that the IU one? No. Oh. Uh, number uh, question number two. So the streak stopped in 2020. Jake looks like the streak would be a Indiana high school product going in round one of the NBA draft. Excuse me, 2021. Desmond Bain was the last pick in 2020. 2019, you had Romeo. Uh, 2018, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. But yeah, I'm looking at the 2021 NBA draft, and unless I'm missing somebody, I'm not seeing anybody. So two years ago. Two years ago. Last year, you what, three of them, you said? Yeah, right. Because you had LaRavia, Ivy, and then Blake Wesley, right? Yeah. And obviously tonight, Trace Jackson Davis would be the one, potentially. If he goes in the first round, yeah. Uh, so that's three, so let's go with number three. How's that sound, Kevin? Okay. Who we got, Mark? David. David! How y'all doing? David, how are you doing, man? You sound like you're ready to go. Hell yeah, I'm doing better now, guys. I didn't think I'd get on there, but I'm glad I did. Let's do this. David, have you called the program before? Love your energy. Man, I've called about 100 times about our Colts how disappointing they were last year. But hopefully we'll get turned around and go forward from now on in. Hey, hope is alive and well. David, have you had coffee today? (laughs) Uh, About three cups. (laughs) (laughs) David, what line of work are you in? Um, I work for the largest retail people in the United, in the world. So I work for Walmart. Oh, that's cool. That's the number one. That's the largest employer in the United States. Is it not? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, and you work at which location? If you don't mind me asking, uh, Greencastle, Greencastle. Oh, okay, Greencastle, Indiana. I'm out of Terre Haute, Indiana. Oh. wow. Okay. Do you like when kids yeah. are on campus or no? Um, uh, not it. Not uh, it. Don't bother me none. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I really, I really enjoyed it when uh, the Colts were at Rose Holman back in the '90s. And gave us a uh, boost of energy when Peyton Manning and. Edward James and everybody was there. You know what I mean? Sure. Now, you sure. know, um, David, when I was covering the Rams, they had their training camp at Western Illinois in Macomb, Illinois. And one day out of nowhere, 
the coaching staff decided to give the players the day off, but they had to be back at like 5 p.m. And the only place to go was Walmart. And like literally the entire Rams roster was like hanging out playing video games at Walmart. Now, did the Colts ever show up at the Terre Haute Walmart? No, but um, I'll tell you a quick story real quick. They used to show up at B-dubs right there on uh, South Terre Haute all the time. Uh, they used to block off um, B-dubs right there in uh, South Terre Haute by the fairgrounds. They used to block it all off for the uh, Colts. Nice. Mike Vanderjack used to be down there acting like an idiot and just hmm. crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> Booger McFarland's <laughs> throwing wings story. back. Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah, That's great. All right, David. Uh, I'm going to have Kevin lead you off. He'll do questions one, three, and five, and I'll do two and four. Kevin, let it rip. David's Let's energy. Gosh, I'm feeling a five for five. All right, David. It's 11-game win streak from the Reds. Who was the last team? And I guess we just kind of talked about the city. Who was the last team to beat them? The Dodgers, the Royals, the Cardinals, or the Pirates? Pirate. Jake, you would say that fans of this team called it the greatest win in the history of That's baseball? That's right. The smartest win ever. Uh-huh. Best fans in baseball. Yeah. You got a second guess by chance, David? Um, Stay on I-70 for another two and a half hours. Cardinals. Okay. Question number two. Tonight is the NBA draft, of course. Who is the last college senior, the last four-year college player, that was taken number one overall in the NBA draft. Was it Elton Brand of Duke, Kenyon Martin of Cincinnati, Emeka Okafor of Connecticut, or Tim Duncan of Wake Forest? Tim Duncan, Wake Forest. How about this? This guy's nickname is competitor of where you work. Um, He's got a son in the NBA right now, right? That's right. Elton Brand, Kenyon Martin, Emeka Okafor. Brandon. I don't know. Okay, Kevin. I don't know. Number three here, David. Purdue has had two players drafted number one in the NBA draft. Glenn Robinson is one. Name the other. Jay Nivey, Rick Mount, Terry Dissinger, or Joe Barry Carroll? The last one. Nice. I bombed these. No. No, you're doing okay, David. You didn't bomb that one. Uh, Question number four. Indiana has also had two players selected number one in the NBA draft. Kent Benson is one. Name the other. Is it Isaiah Thomas, Walt Bellamy, Scott May, or George McGinnis? Isaiah Thomas. Okay. All right. And number five here, David. Name the state of Indiana high school product who averaged the most points per game in the NBA last season. Is it A, Gordon Hayward, B, Eric Gordon, C, Jaron Jackson Jr., or D, Desmond Bain? Um, number two, the second one. Eric Gordon? Yeah. That's a pretty good guess. Where would he rank on career NBA points, do you think, for Indiana high school products? Oh, boy. Um, Somewhat up there. Top Three or four? Oh, he'd be that high. I mean, I think Oscar's number one. Well, Bird, yeah, uh, Bird, Bird or Oscar. Oscar are the first two that and then jumped out of me. I mean, Gordon's got to be. I'll look it up, but Gordon's got to be pretty high. Conley, Conley be high based on tenure. Randolph would be high. Zach Randolph would be high. He could fill it up. He could fill it up there. Uh, let's see how you did, David. And thanks for calling in. By the way, enjoy your day out in Wally World. Uh, St. Louis Cardinals was correct for question number one. Beautiful ambiance there. Uh, He got Joe Barry Carroll correct, right? That is correct. correct. Number three. Is that it? Yeah, because um, question number two, 
The last number one overall pick that was a four-year college player was Kenyon Martin of Cincinnati to the Nets. Joe Barry Carroll was correct. Walt Bellamy, by the way. Isaiah Thomas in 81 was taking a pick behind Mark Aguirre. Desmond Bain, also number five. 21 and a half points per game. Eric Gordon, just 13.1 last year. Jaron Jackson Jr. averaged 18.6. And Gordon Hayward, 14.7. Kenyon right. Martin went one overall with a broken leg. He did. I always remember Kenyon Martin with the lips tattoo. Yeah, he was a Denver Nugget for a while, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Larry Bird is 13 all-time on the scoring list. I will look it up and on the other side tell you where the huh. others rank. Huh. I like it. I, I would have thought Oscar was higher, so but I guess longevity there. Indiana high school products where they rank on the NBA's all-time scoring list. We'll do that and close it out previewing tonight's draft here. Kevin Aquari, nine. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 335-1075, the fan. So I was wrong. I, for some reason, when I toggled it on the NBA scoring list, I was looking at playoff totals. Uh, the all-time scoring list in the NBA, Oscar Robertson would be the highest among Indiana high school players. Larry Bird is second. No surprise there. Then it goes Zach Randolph, Mike Conley, Glenn Robinson, Eric Gordon. Forgot about the big dog. Yeah. I mean, Glenn Robinson was a really good I, – I think people forget, Kevin, because there was so much expectation. When Glenn Robinson was – Glenn Robinson's year at Purdue in his junior year. So he played as a sophomore. He was obviously a prop 48. Um, I don't mean obviously because, but I'm saying people that remember, you know, he did not play his freshman year because of prop 48. Then he played as a sophomore and was obviously really good. His junior year, I think still is the most dominant college basketball season I've ever seen. There is just no way to properly illustrate how unbelievably seemingly unstoppable Glenn Robinson was in that junior year at Purdue. Didn't Zach Eady just have that? Just different, man. I'm telling you. Yes, but, well, first off, what did Eady average this year? It's a good question. Um, I don't know. 20, is 24 sound right? Okay, I'm looking up what Robinson's totals were. Um. I mean, Zach Eady was really, really good. I, there's no doubt about it, no denying that. Um, but Glenn Robinson was, there was just something about, in Glenn Robinson's junior year at Purdue, he averaged 30.3 points and 10 rebounds a game. So thirty, he averaged 30 a game. And I mean, I'm talking like... Yeah, that's obviously a lot more than Zach. And he had, I mean, he had a, what, 42-point game, I think it was, against Illinois. His dunk over Ostertag in the tournament. He was just so menacing and dominating. My favorite story about Glenn Robinson, you know, because he's my class of high school, so, you know, there's probably a little bit of bias, admittedly. But my buddy that played at Northwestern and, and had played AAU ball with Glenn, so he knew him, and he goes to midcourt before the game, you know, hey, Glenn, what's up? Whatever. And Glenn Robinson looks right at him and goes, looks right at him. And they'd been teammates forever. This was like, it was like Danny Rojas when he found out he was going to be on the international team and 
was going to be playing against one of his teammates, he looked right at my buddy and said, you're going to tell your kids about the way that I'm about to shake the blank out of you. <laughs> and there was nothing. I mean, he's like, yeah, well, he was right. You know, I mean, he was so good. And I thought for certain when he went number one overall in 94, which was the biggest uncertainty, I, I, I mean, the biggest certainty ever. Like there was no question he was going to go number one. I really thought he was going to be a transcendent, like almost Jordan-level player. I think most people did think that of him. Um, I remember the, the talk that he was going to get the first ever $100 million contract right out of the box. And he was a really good player in Milwaukee. But it was, you know, he was with a middling Bucks team. He was averaging 20 a game in the NBA for a long time and then ended up getting a ring in San Antonio just late in his career. But... He just was different. There was just something about him that was different. Quick scroll of the active NBA scoring list. Conley, 18th. Eric Gordon, 31st. Gordon Hayward, 38th. I would think Gordon, you would think, is higher, but I think injuries probably, right? George Hill, 62nd. I think a lot of people look ahead to tonight, and for the most part, the first three picks are pretty locked in. I don't know if there's a ton of indecision at Houston at four. It seems like Detroit at five... That is where I've seen even a Jairus Walker and a few people have had Taylor Hendricks at five. And you think about Detroit, it makes sense. You've got Cade Cunningham and Jay Nivey. You would think that next piece for them is a little bit more of a wing, bigger, yeah. four guy. Kind of the same situation the Pacers were in, right? Yeah, in in a way, certainly. And obviously, the fact that they are in the Central with Indiana plays into it. But that's going to be something that I think for Pacers fans just watch out for a little bit there of what Detroit does at five. I think we'll have some direct, direct impact on, uh, on the Pacers there. You know, somebody, um, we were just asked for the station for our prediction, who they're going to take or what they're going to do. Um, I would tend to agree with you that it's probably going to be one of those two guys, Walker or Hendricks, just for the sake of diversity, of possibility I'm going to say that the Pacers and I don't know that they do it at 7 but I'll say they take Grady Dick tonight really so if it's not at 7 that would be quite the trade up I mean because 26 is where they're at next so is that a 26 and a player probably I'm just saying like do I think they're going to take him no but if I had to pick somebody other than Walker, Hendrick, that's who I would go with. Yeah, I went with Hendricks when they asked us for that. Uh, I just, part of me thinks Walker could be gone at seven. Um, and I probably have Hendricks a little bit closer to Walker than, than most would. This is a good question. You know, in terms of tonight with Webb and Yama, the last player that you can think of that had this much intrigue or expectation. It, it, I got to go back to LeBron. I mean, I, I know people have said Zion, but I, I don't think it's to this level. I mean, ESPN sent Brian Windhorse over there for a 90-second interview to Paris the night of the lottery. Like I mean, it, it just, to me, it's different. The international appeal of the NBA game, Jake, I think has grown, so that contributes to some of it. The fact that he looks the way he looks, and I don't. I'm not trained. I mean, he's seven four and can move like a wing and can shoot it from the volleyball line. It's amazing. I mean, his and I think his English is good. Like I think he'll be a big brand. His English is pretty good. Oh, for sure. Um. Yeah, I, I don't. I think you got to go. 
back to LeBron. Would, you know a player... Would uh, you say Zion or would you go all the way back to uh, LeBron? I would agree with you on LeBron. I'll, I'll tell you another player that was a... And it's fascinating to me how fastly this player... How, how fast, I should say, this player has fallen out of the public conscience. Um, but Yao Ming was mm. the same way. Yeah. Now, he was before LeBron, I think a year right. before, right? But Yao Ming was so different and skilled and, I mean, just massive. And there was a ton. And, and he was a good player. And in a part of the world that we hadn't seen NBA Correct. prospects from. And then, boom, like, when it was over for him, it was over, he just was, obviously, he was hurt a lot. He, he was a good NBA player. He was, I know. Yeah, I mean, very good NBA player. That what body. do you? What would you believe Yao Ming's career numbers to be? I'm gonna say Yao Ming averaged 16 a game. His career, he averaged 19 and nine. Yeah. In 07, he averaged 25 a game. In 08, he averaged 22 and 11. I, you know, I'm, and How what's many funny years is for Yao, uh, he ended up playing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons, but he didn't play. A complete season after his first two. I mean, his last three years in the league, 55, 77, and five games. You know, it's kind of wild that China hasn't produced anybody of somewhat note since they had him. Fanboy, why didn't the fanboy Zhang? Yeah. yeah. Why didn't he go number one overall? Well, he was too busy asking for autographs and selfies. That's true. Clanking a few shots in Vegas. That was his downfall. But he, you know, the, um, with Yao Ming. I, the numbers that he put up, basketball's just changed, Kevin, to the point where even in the last 10 years, you know, a double-double of 20 and 10 was, was in 08, was kind of the, not an anomaly, but I mean, that was impressive. Now, now you've got guys that are not huge stars that are walking double-doubles, you know what I mean? But he was a really good player. And and a, and a skilled player, and I would agree with you. Like it is surprising, especially considering how much he must have put chi- basketball on the map in China. It's surprising that there have not been other players. I mean, obviously his size is pretty unique, but that you haven't seen kind of that product. Corey goes. I was at Yao Ming's debut game. It was here in Indy against the Pacers. I I I don't recall that. Do you? That would have had to have been a massive game. From a media standpoint. Yeah, I don't remember that. I, I remember... you imagine? I remember Brad Miller calling him Yao Blankenming because he'd been asked about him so much. I mean, the amount of Japanese media that follows Hideki Matsuyama around the PGA Tour, easily the biggest media scrums week in and week out. And I would assume, you know, based off the uniqueness of a athlete from that country coming over here to America, I, I would just assume that China would have had a similar contingent following Yao around probably much bigger honestly oh i mean i'm looking here the you're saying the um in 2002 i don't think Corey goes i was at Yao ming's debut game it was against the pacers here in india was that would that have been a preseason game that may be because i can't imagine maybe he's right i'm looking up the 02 houston rockets season the 0203 rocket season where they started to see if they began their – I mean, I'm not, like, doubting the guy. but yeah, you, I, I feel like that would have been something you would have remembered. I mean, you would have been covering that game, right, Jake? Correct. Uh, no, he's right. Wednesday, October 30th, 2002, at Indiana. Good work, Corey. 
How did Yao do? Do we have a box I'm, score? I'm looking right here at the box score. Uh, Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Yao Ming. Do you remember that song? No, hold on. Had a Yao Ming song. I don't see. Oh, Yao Ming. Here we go. Uh, he played 10 minutes. He went 0 for 1 from the floor. Mm. That's probably why we don't remember it as much. Brad Miller shut him down. That's right. Jeff Foster shut him down. <laughs> Feisty Foster. Jeff Foster, by the way, a draft night trade acquired. If either one of you guys gets this right, I will go down right now and I will buy you a salad from the place that closed on the circle. It's not there anymore. Um, Jeff Foster was acquired on a draft night trade for what player that the Pacers had selected? Vontigo Cummings. That is correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. I owe you a salad from the salad place that's no longer there on the circle. What happened there? You you were I thought you were keeping that place in business. I, I don't know. You know what I think happened? I think, I don't know this, I think they had, and it was a great place, and it was packed, and you're right, Gary Dick and I kept him in business, um, <laughs> at least theoretically. I think they got, coming off of everything that happened in downtown Indy, I think that they got a really good deal on their lease from downtown, like the downtown just wanted businesses back in the area and i think they got probably like a one year or an 18 month lease at a really good rate and then once that went out they were like okay like now it's time to start paying regular lease and they were like regular rent and they're like yeah we're good i i I would guess so do i get lunch or i mean what what is this how did you know that empty empty but i I love jeff foster love him fontigo cummings from some reason pittsburgh's popping in my head does that sound right I thought it was. I thought he was from a Tennessee school. Like, and then was Foster Texas State? I think Foster was Southwest Texas, right? Was it the Warriors? Is that the team that they traded with? Correct. That is correct. Look at you. This must have been like peak Kevin Bowen staying up, popping popcorn to watch the draft. Fontigo Cummings, Pittsburgh. Nice. Boy, a heavy international career. Played for the Westchester Wildfire. All right, I'll say Taylor Hendricks, Jake, Grady Dick, if not Jairus Walker, or Jairus Walker, and then Grady Dick. That Westchester Wildfire on their airplane oh, road geez, games, you should see go. the way they took off.